0: Hello, and welcome to the Command Point Podcast. My name is Ryan, and on this week's episode, my co-host Shane and I got to interview Michael T. Holy, fresh off his LVO Kill Team Championship victory. In this interview, we asked about his preparation leading up to LVO, and then Michael gave us a round-by-round breakdown of his 7-1 run to take first at LVO and ultimately be crowned the ITC Kill Team Champion. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Yeah. So, like, first things first, like, uh, thanks for coming on to our podcast.
1: Oh, sure. It's awesome.
0: It's kind of like uh, we're getting to interview, like, Michael Jordan or (laughs) Brian or the Tiger Woods of Kill Team, basically.
2: (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a a very, I'm a a C-list guy in the Warhammer community, but Kill Team, (laughs) there's one room where I Mm -hmm. can
1: yeah there you go hey i mean we're not really in the warhammer community so outside of kill team (laughs) yeah
2: right right
1: uh so i guess for starters i i have a bunch written here but um starting off this feels a little bit appropriate i just wanted to ask about your prep for major events like this i don't know if you've talked about this before but i mean with with the packets constantly coming out and and so much to to prepare for and i just how, how do you usually go through that process
2: Um, I play, um, I mean, I play a lot of games against myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Using the missions from the packet. Um, I I think about it maybe just a little bit before that, but I find that, you know, you just, you don't know how a packet's going to really work until you start doing it. And in this case, um, you know, initially, Kill Team Academy had sent me the packet. I mean, I had sort of an advanced copy of it, and then... He finally settled on how he was going to do it. And I had I take like a month off of everything basically over December between work and just my family and stuff. So at the beginning of January, I came back in. He had his finalized packet and, uh, and he had two different terrain setups. So I built a table kind of based on it. And then I just, um, you know, I mean, I, I make lists for the things I'm scared of. And then I run practice games. Right, based Mm -hmm, on what I think might be the meta, and um, and then in that process the list evolves. And I think that uh, I mean that you'll probably ask about the roster in a second, so I'll save that. But but the the roster process is happening in the course of these games. But the first step is that there's usually some lists that sound terrifying, and I want to beat them. You know what I mean? I want to like practice until I feel really good about mm-hmm. that matchup and you never know what's going to happen, but I want to feel very confident about the matchups that I'm sort of most concerned about as much as I can. And then, and then after that, uh, and 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 I should say that that practice really focuses on what you might call like a gatekeeper style list. Cause the thing about a gatekeeper mm-hmm. list is you know what it's going to be and what you can't prepare for. Um, and what I always say are going to be the tournament winners is like the, you know, the 20-man ad mech list that could present seven different ways, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, it's too much for me to yeah. make all the different lists. So I'll, I kind of, I try to get a feel for it, and I got to be a little bit more abstract about that. But the actual gatekeepers that you expect, in this case, Custodes for sure, I mean, you can run that until you, you know, until you you beat yourself playing Custodes as much as you think you can, right? And then you and then you move on. So mm-hmm. that, that's that been my practice for all the tournaments this year. I mean, even before I started playing Kill Team or knowing I was going to go to a tournament, I did that with the old Nova packet after I saw George interview Elliot. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a death guard list that they talked. I mean, George's death guard list, Elliot's plasma list, and then they mentioned a cultist spam list. And I made those three lists and then I made Harlequins, which I at the time had heard about and thought was scary. And I just practiced against those until I could beat those four. And then I figured, well, you know, I've learned enough in this process that now I should be ready to handle other things. And so that I mean, that process has worked for me the whole year.
0: That's cool. So that that's a. Uh...
1: That's a whole lot of work, but I mean, like, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think I remember now <laughs> that you you mentioned to Glass Half Dead that you that you did do a lot of the Sad Hammer one-on-one yeah. games, and I've done
0: like Lego bricks for yeah. the terrain, right? I've Initially, gone down that. Yeah, path. yeah, I mean, yeah. And yeah. then I won terrain
2: over the course of the years, so now I. have Uh huh. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've been down that path of of doing the the games with myself just to get as much practice in, and it's it's tougher than it sounds for anyone that hasn't done it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Right.
2: Right. No, no, um, it's, it's, it's a draining exercise. And I have to, yes. um, you know, normally I would do it. I've got like, we've got like an Airbnb in our house and I would use it that, but my sister in law was living with us. So I had to just, every day done with work, got to clear off the work, set up the table and try to get one game in, you know, and then, and then I got to clear up and, and be in bed in time to get up to take care yeah. of the kids and everything. So,
1: yeah.
2: but, um, I I mean, I've been playing games against myself since I was a kid. I was an only child, and I kind of get a kick out of that. So that's easier for me. And and I did practice. I mean, me and Miguel. Miguel uh, beat me at LBO last year. I mean, he lives in Mm -hmm. the area. But the problem is Miguel has, like, a really different lifestyle than me. His wife is a nurse. He's a tattoo artist. And they, like, they're late-night people, you know? Yeah. And my wife is a school teacher, and she's got to be out the door at 640 in the morning. So we're, like, super early people.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and so it's been a little, it's a little hard to coordinate.
0: OK. Um, uh, speaking of terrain, how did you feel about the terrain setup that they settled on for LVO this year?
2: Well, uh, and before I answer, I want to give a caveat because Sheldon worked so hard for the SoCal terrain and it was you know beautiful and everything. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I mean, this was the best terrain setup for a tournament that I've ever been part of. Like, by, by far. Okay. Tournaments need a lot of line-of-sight blocking to be any good at all. And, uh, and, I mean, this is the first one that really did a pretty good job with that. Um, and as we talk, I don't want to say it had a defect, but, I mean, there was definitely a, a big caveat to that to being a good line-of-sight blocking board. But, um, but, on the whole, the, the best we've ever seen, and I, I loved it. I mean, it made for much better games. Yeah. and it made for new strategies and everything else which is mm-hmm. the idea yeah it doesn't matter how pretty the board is i mean if you can just sort of shoot anywhere i mean it's it just detracts from the game so much um and uh so you know i mean if we that's why i'm a fan of this open door arena that they're gonna do i guess yeah some tournaments I mean, yes i've um uh, I, I don't exactly remember how that came up, And I know after Nova, I was chatting with briefly, even with Mike Brandt when he came on our channel. And then certainly with the TO of Nova out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was just like, I was like, have you guys thought about this? And they were like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And then I was talking to Sheldon about it and he probably heard it from other people too, but, um, I'm really excited to see that come to fruition. I think that's going to be a good.
1: Yeah. On a side thing. note, are you, are you going to be at BAL?
2: Well, it's possible. You know, on the whole, this year is going to be a light year for me. So last mm-hmm. year, I mean, you guys may not may not know, but I mean, I kind of just said, hey, I'm going to go to enough Kill Team tournaments to like max, you know, I'm going to have all the tournaments. At the end of the yes, year, I don't yes. know where I'm going to be, but I'm going to have all the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of made that declaration. and I made that, you know, something that I was going to devote time to. But I can't do that year in and year out with yeah. a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old and now a pregnant wife. So, mm-hmm. um, And we're doing a remodel. There's a lot going on this year. So I won't I won't probably have five tournament scores this year. Uh, but that being said, BAO is close by. It's a possible one day there and back. So I might be at BAO. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I might be at something. I, and I will be at LVO next year. I think that yeah. That I can say for sure. But, you know, with the baby's... Born in August. So, like three months after, three months before, it's very tough to do mm-hmm. much. And that's like the whole Do you guys have kids? No. No. Thank goodness. No, no, no. Yeah, we're both 24,
1: kidding. 25, or yeah. Not, yeah. not there yet. <laughs> right, 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 right,
2: right. Well, I, I was 40 before I had my first kid. So, uh-huh. I don't really? know if that's the right way to do it, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, whatever's working. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Well, this is your question, Shane, about the um the Friday pods.
1: What was it? I, I didn't even write that one
0: down. Oh, um, so you didn't play any on, on any of the Friday pods, oh, yeah. but we know that you were watching the games. While you were watching the games, did that inform any of your decisions leading up to like what your final command roster was for the grand tournament?
2: Well, as it turns out it didn't. Um you're watching the pods, I mean, that came with two conclusions. One, there's a lot of Astro Militarum there. Um, I thought Astra Militarum might be scary. It turns out none of those players really did great. But yeah. um, but I was, I was a little bit scared of Astro Militarum going in, and that had been something I just hadn't practiced a lot against, just hadn't had the time. So I was worried about that, but I didn't. You know, uh, I, d- I didn't really make any variations because of it. I mean, I thought there was going to be a lot of them. There were a lot of them. And I was like, damn, just like I thought. And the other thing that I thought there was going to be, I didn't think there were going to be five of them, but I thought there were going to be Azzuriani players there that were good. I mean, obviously, I knew Janice was going to be there. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I figured it was about time that somebody else was probably going to take it up. Uh, as it turns <laughs> out, you know, I mean, that was that was an underestimation of what was going to be there.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I think I probably should have practiced against Aziyani. It's hard to to practice against the same faction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you'd okay. almost just have to say, okay, this one's going to do, I'm going to, like, write a little mini program for this one and a little mini program for this. So they're going to play really different. And then we're going to see how that goes and stuff. It, it would be like a project unto itself, a, yeah. a harder one. I just didn't get to it. And, mm-hmm. um... You know, I mean, from the perspective of winning the ITC it was important since Janice was like in the very best position to overtake me. So obviously losing to her one on one would, you know, like be the first step of that coming to pass. Uh, but that being said, that was just another piece of the practice that I didn't get to. And so, I mean, going home that night, I was and, I, you know, I, I didn't expect to win LVO. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I won it. So I guess that sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um. I, think we I, I, I expected thought it was going to win. be a really hard tournament to win. I thought it was going to be the hardest tournament to win, not just because there were more people, but because the format was going to allow a bunch of different kinds of lists. Yeah. And, and some of the lists it was going to allow were going to be really challenging in their own right, even if they weren't going to be winners of the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Custodius is a great example of that. Custodes probably cannot win a tournament like LBO, but they can certainly beat almost anybody if, if their game goes right. Um, I thought that Sheldon's bloodletter list, you know, which I had some heads up on, I thought that was going to be another such list. He ended up doing quite poorly. I don't really know what went wrong. But um, I thought that would be a list that'd be really hard to beat for my team. There were several such lists. I mean, I thought that Admech with Godfrey might be hard for me to beat. Um, So just the odds that you're going to face something like that at some point, and then it just takes you out enough that you're not, you know, going to make it to the top eight. Uh I thought we're high and I figured, you know, I mean you can only I mean, not that I think I've been lucky, because I mean if I honestly look at the games and stuff, I mean it's it's I I don't have a lot of wins that are because of luck, but um but still you just figure, you know, eventually you just you're not gonna win, right? Even if you prepared Mm -hmm. and everything else. Like I definitely had holes in my preparation. I just thought, you know, there's too much out there. Uh so um that was kind of my my mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you go.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask, you mentioned it briefly, uh, what do you think went wrong with the Militarum presence? Because I, I think a lot of people expected them to be one yeah. of the dominant groups. Do you think that there's a difference in in, in the way that they play compared to ADMAC and Ostriani, like the other T3 shooty armies? Or what do you think happened?
2: Well, I mean, I don't... Boy... Yeah, I'm a little hard pressed to say. Unfortunately, I didn't see those games enough. I mean, I would imagine that probably just the players are not um, are just not top tier players, you know. And I mean, no offense to them, but I, that would yeah. be my best guess just off the whole, off the the bat. Um, I mean, I've said this, and and I'll say it again. I mean, most games are decided in what I would call sort of the strategic phase, which is everything up to and including deployment, right? Mustering. Usually. Yeah. Mustering, picking your secondaries, devising a strategy, guessing what your opponent's secondaries are. You know, I mean, some people don't even do those last two things. Right. They just they have to pick secondary. So they do it. They have to muster. So they do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then they
2: just kind of go in and they do the same thing they always do. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. um, but other people, I think, do do all those things. I certainly try to do all those things. And uh, and I think a lot of times the game is won when I've picked the right strategy and then I go and execute it. And you know, sometimes my opponent hasn't done the same, right? Mm-hmm. And occasionally, you know, you do get a game where maybe both people pick a really great strategy. But if I if I look at the games I've lost this year, um, certainly two of them I lost by the time deployment was over. And that would be against Shane Watts at BAO and against Emmanuel at, at SoCal. Um, it's not to say there was not something that could have happened later in the game that would have changed that, but you know, they didn't they didn't do anything stupid and the dice weren't like insanely in my favor and therefore it was it was on rails and it kind of just stayed there
0: yeah
2: i mean it's, it's it's too it's it's not fair enough to say they didn't do anything stupid right they played they played mm-hmm. well right they, mm-hmm, they, yeah. they did everything they were supposed to do to keep their strategy on point and uh um you know, I mean, it's amazing how many stupid mistakes we all make, even at a high level. And I and yeah. I just read an article about that the other day by a guy who was talking about Overwatch, really. But I guess in Overwatch, you can actually, everybody's kind of rated by their percentile. You know, you're you a 95th percentile player, you're 99th, and they've got the stats, you know, that's harder for us to accrue. Stats and the numbers, mm-hmm. number of players. Um, you know, and, and this guy was just writing about how you can watch people in the 95th percentile play, and you can just observe just ridiculously basic errors done repeatedly um Mm -hmm. you know his conclusion was it's a lack of coaching right people are not people aren't realizing the errors they're making because they can't watch you know they can with overwatch you can but they're not watching film of their game and they're not really doing a critical analysis of that um and that might you know that might be true in kill team too i do love that so many of my games this year have been recorded and it's allowed me to go back and watch them and then say like you know, here's what happened. But I've got yeah. some really cool games that weren't recorded, and I, you know, I mean, that's how it is. I should mm-hmm. be like George. I should be recording my own stuff whenever I go.
1: Yeah, powerful. Yeah. It's it's great actually. I think that 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 we're taking steps towards getting more streaming at big tournaments, kind of like we had at LVO, and I think we're gonna have it at BAO too. But where yeah. we'll just have all these vods and and like these high level games that we can kind of go back to and and analyze and yeah.
2: Well, they such. did. They did do it Bao last year, and they did it at SoCal yeah. last year. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it's basically yeah.
2: everything. Sheldon's been on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so um,
1: I guess going into the the tournament itself, uh, I wanted to talk about secondaries a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so, how did you feel, first of all, about about open secondaries as opposed to the the limited choices?
2: Well, I mean, I think in the abstract, you know, I, I mean, I. I you know, ultimately, I practiced for this packet, and I had fun with it, and this was my favorite packet of any that I've played so far. Um, so, the open secondaries were a part of it, and I didn't think it was really a detriment in any way. Uh, traditionally, I feel like open secondaries do kind of make it a little too easy to complete secondaries in some circumstances. But I think maybe that the hold one, kill one, changed the game sufficiently that that wasn't so much the case. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Um, that being said, I mean, I did, I did have a bunch of games where I was near max points, so obviously that indicates, you know, easy easy completion of secondaries. Um, but I think that, you know, as Alex said, I mean, I think he said it on your show, uh, that is the thing that's going to allow most people to bring the most teams. And that's a, that was a great goal, and I loved that. I loved that about the hold one, kill one, and the more I got into it, the more I saw the possibilities for new things that we haven't done before things that people have said are bad that I think can be made good. Um, And that, I think that's great. I think it's just a better, it's just a better way to play, I would say. And, uh, and I think the open secondaries didn't detract from that. So I'm probably fine with them. Um, You know, previously I'd been a fan of kind of Sheldon's, uh, you know, books of secondaries, if you will. Um, Although my very favorite, I mean, I like the, you know, mission with secondaries attached to it. I thought that was kind of cool, you know, to give that extra flavor to the missions. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point I'll say, you know, whatever. I mean, I'll, they're, they're all, they're all fine. I think all three of those have are good. And that the way that Nova did it is, is bad. I'll say, I'll say that. much.
0: <laughs> wow. Hot take. <laughs> well, Hot take. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I kind of agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, cause I
2: think all, all three of the ways that we just talked about where, where they're built into the mission and where they're, because you know you can prep for the mission. If you bring a team that's not good at one of those, I mean, you kind of know that going in, right? Yeah. I mean, because you know what the six missions are. And the open secondaries, I think, helps everybody. And, and Sheldon's is designed to do the same in a more limited fashion. But the Nova, you definitely could go in there and suddenly you just get a secondary draw that you're like, wow, this is just the worst thing in the world for the particular <laughs> matchup I've got. And that yeah. that's not fun <clears throat> for anybody. No. So not that that happened a lot necessarily, but it, it might have. And it probably yeah. happened on a few tables because a lot of a lot of games got played.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just like kind of another element of randomness in a game that's already super random as it is. Yeah,
2: we don't, yeah. We don't need it. <laughs>
1: uh, well,
2: yeah, I said somewhere, you know, it's like when you, roll, when you when you do a matchup, it's like you're rolling a D6. And, you know, if it's a one, it's really good for the left side. If it's a six, it's really good for the right side. And when you when you do the Nova Secondaries, it's like you're rolling two dice. And most of the time, you're going to get a number in the middle. But every now and then, you're going to get a two or a twelve, and mm-hmm. those games are going to be stupid. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. There you go. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, your list.
2: the The way I make a command roster, I think, is different than other people. Um, okay. And I see so many times people are like, "Oh, this is this is the standard Eldar list." Like, or the, and I don't, I mean, I definitely don't have a standard LDAR list, and we'll, t- we'll talk about the lists I brought. I mean, there was um, yeah. only two repeats in seven games, and um, and the most common lists were not at all the standard LDAR list. But the, the other thing that they'll say is that there's probably like a core list, and then there's like little variations from it. And that's mm-hmm. actually not how it goes at all either. What I start with is I start with lists that are required to beat troublesome edge case teams. Right. Yeah. And in this okay. case, it, 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 a starting point for that since LBO last year has always been Necrons. Necrons present just a very special challenge. They're not always a popular team. They're not always considered a high meta team. But the fact of the matter is, if I want to go and win a tournament, I need to be able to beat everybody I face. Yeah. And anybody can show up with a list of flight ones. And if they practice really hard, they can beat some people. And that one of those people could be me. So I don't uh-huh. want that to happen. So you need the Necron list. Like, you need a list that specifically addresses that threat, right? And it requires leaving behind all kinds of things that people might think are standard, right? Like, you, you know, shouldn't bring a star cannon. You shouldn't bring the sort of 17-point scorpion or banshee that you typically might like, right? Uh, they all have multi-damage weapons. Multi-damage weapons are a big no-no, really, against Necron. Just assist it. And I, I don't know how, how much we'll talk about this, but, I mean, I do a lot of... I do a lot of stats, and w- when I prepare, right? I, lo- I do a lot of stats when I play a game. I do a lot of stats when I'm thinking about moves I'm going to make, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and you're going to beat the Necrons by stacking flesh wounds, like, and that is that's going to give you a consistent victory. And if instead you look at, well, a two damage weapon, yeah, it's more likely to heal him, but it's also more likely to kill him. Yep. That's it's inconsistent with everything else on your on your roster because not everything you have is going to have two damage weapons, you know? So um, so Necrons just need a special list. So I made that list. It was a nine-man list. It was, I mean, what, what I played against Class Half-Dead. So, yeah. um, and it's got, you know, these, I mean, it's got, in this case, it had a Wraith Guard. That was kind of my innovation for mm-hmm. me, my innovation here. The Wraith Guard with the D side, I kind of thought of it the last second. I initially thought maybe I'd bring a Wraith Guard with the Swords, and that would be okay too, but um, but then I started playing around with that D side, and it was just um, it was just a game winner against the Flayed One list in particular. So hard to so hard to deal with, um, and then uh, so that's that's nine guys, and then I made a Custodes list. Now the Custodes are funny because I'm not entirely sure that if I'd played them, I really would have tried to kill them or even engage and fight them. Yeah, really. but I wanted to have that ability on the list that I brought against them anyway, because just in case the game goes that way and I don't have a choice. So the custodias list was eight, eight guys. And between the custodias list and the Necron list, there were only two guys in common. So that's 15 people on my roster right there. Yeah. So then I think about what else is trouble. Now, not traditionally the last few tournaments, the first list I would have prepared against would have been Tau taus in the positional game, I think been the most powerful I don't think they are anymore, but they were in the old positional game, the most powerful faction and that the best players did not always bring them. But one time the best player did. And that was Nova. And he didn't even have a close game. The only close game he had was against his buddy that he practices against. Right. Mm-hmm. Chuck, that was yeah, his only yeah. close game. Every other game was a blowout, which um, you know goes to show that he is a very good player and that, and they had the right faction, you know what I mean doing the right thing, and then Nova had some extra rules to make it even worse, but um that was the, that was the one time that a, yeah I mean again I mean I hate to 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 but I mean you know the, the, that that was the best player who took tau in a tournament, and it wasn't close, right mm-hmm. um I was always worried that that was going to happen in any tournament I went to uh, i had I had five tau matches over the course of the year, I did win them all um and, uh, you know, I mean, that—that that is what it is. But generally speaking, the first list I would have countered in every previous tournament would have been Tau. But in this case, I didn't. I didn't think they were as good with hold one, kill one. Um I'd played a practice game against them. I found them much easier to deal with, with between the line of sight blocking, the different rules and the hold one, kill one. They were just it was like before, but much easier. And so uh, I wasn't as worried about that. But still, that. And kind of admec was the third list I made, and mm. now for the first time I'm bringing in like my standard 17-point howling, howling banshee with an executioner, my standard 17-point scorpion with a biting blade, and uh, I think when I made those three lists I was already at 21 people on the roster, so it was about making a cut, and now I got 20, and then what can I build out of this 20 that I haven't thought of yet that might be useful? But ultimately I went there, you know, with I guess you might say. Um, You know, with three big lists in mind, Tau, if you will, Necrons, and then, uh, uh, you know, kind of Grey Knight, Custodes, Um, and then I devised two other lists that were fairly different than those that I didn't necessarily have an idea of how to use, but I thought they were cool lists and I thought they would have a, uh, a potential. Um, and then I made some small variations. And then, you know, of course, any of these lists, you can swap a fusion for a flamer, right? Or I guess a fusion mm-hmm. probably for a dire Avenger in many cases. And so there's there's micro movements like that. But ultimately, I went in there with sort of five uh, lists that don't have more than like half in common with each other that I can construct out of 20. And then from there, you know, I'm I'm mixing it up. Um, so that's, that's how the roster gets built. And... I guess the, the the real key is it's not like I have a list and then I swap it a little bit because what I have are, are more like three lists and then yeah. and maybe five. I have five lists that I can swap up and I'm kind of trying to like, that's why the, the roster is so much work to kind of get it to that spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: now that being said, I'm not sure if my 20 men roster, despite me thinking about it, is that different than the other Eldar. I mean, it's somewhat different, but I don't, I haven't looked at them enough to think about it, but but I'm definitely using it, in a, I think, in a pretty different way. Right. Because it seems like a lot of those guys did, except for maybe Janus, I think a lot of those guys did bring kind of the same thing every time.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if uh, Alex Narak brought the Wraith Guard and Wraith Plate. I, I haven't looked at his list. He
2: did not. Yeah. He did
1: not. And I thought yeah. that might have played a little bit of a part in some of the matchups that he struggled with. Because I know that you... Uh, he played glass half dead and he played those flayed ones and he didn't have the wraith guard with the, with the D scythe, which was in your matchup. Very helpful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also had, he he brought all the multi-damage weapons too. I think uh, my Mm. take is that Alex had never played Necrons
1: before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask, was there anything that came up at the tournament that was really good that you weren't really expecting that you didn't have as much prep for that kind of took you off guard, I guess.
2: Yeah. Uh, that yes. Uh, in the third round, I played Gene Steelers by Marcus. I think Marcus Fields is what he put on his. Um, but I think he has was like a cool name.
0: I think it was Marcus McCabry.
2: Yeah, Marcus. He calls himself Marcus McCab or Macabre, right? Well, but, I was actually um, right about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I think that's like his screen name, right? Okay. Yeah. Just like you know, him. Marcus Samage. Fields on his player name on my, on my on my sheet. So I think I'm guessing Fields. Or maybe he maybe his two names, but. Macabre is like a cool last name. I think he just made yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, now the thing about Marcus's list is it was really off-meta for the tournament because it was like sixteen Gene stealers, right? So sixteen-man list. Um, I know you guys said before you think hordes are still good, and I would say, well, you never know. They might be good at a given tournament, but they really shouldn't be. In my in my opinion, they shouldn't be. Like, it, they should be handleable in hold one, kill one. Um, and and not to go too far afield, but the fundamental problem is that holding one is trivial for every army. Every mm-hmm. army can hold one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you're a horde, the only thing you're doing better is holding more. And that's only four points. And you're certainly making it much easier for your opponent to kill more. and 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 you're probably making it trivial for them to kill one, which you may you may be able to do too, but you're not you know, and so you're you're just giving up more points than you're getting in that primary right there. And it's open secondaries, so everybody can score their secondaries. So, you know, being a horde doesn't give you or shouldn't give you much of an advantage, especially there's plenty of killing secondaries, and anybody who's facing a horde is going to take killing secondaries or should. Um, Assuming they did that right, I mean, the horde's just got a four-point problem baked in to their game Um, because they're not going to stop their opponent from holding one, but their opponent might well stop them
1: from killing one.
2: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think my so the the where I came from when I was talking about that uh, and I have shifted a little bit since this is now post LVO. Sure. Uh, is and we talked a little bit with Will Blood about it and and the kind of the weird randomness that comes with taking models off the board and having to rely on that sort of 50/50 injury roll and trying to play to avoid that i guess or having to play to avoid or relying on that yeah. so much as just there's just moving a lot of, and
0: there's a lot of die rolls that you need to succeed on in order to kill models yeah. in yeah i i, I do, do i have whereas I have you can just park a guy anywhere
1: yeah i have shifted right. a bit though i i see i see now how some of these killing secondaries were kind of huge i yeah. know i know you were really big on um fire and fade getting those bounty tokens with the uh with the kills
2: Mm-hmm. yeah you, right right well and just yeah i mean again i think it's just you, if i was playing a horde list i'd go in there and say i mean how what's my game plan to win i don't i'm hoping he just doesn't take my models off because he rolls terrible you know he's yeah you know i mean a, in a given game maybe one turn you have a bad injury roll dice but over the course of even a game of kill team you know what i mean like the dice come and the dice go so um
1: yeah, it's frustrating
2: true. sometimes that you don't get a kill you think you should have, but it's going to work out over the course of four rounds. Mm-hmm. That's my belief anyway.
1: Yeah, I have seen now that I guess especially with the top lists, I Gray Knights and stuff and and seeing like right. like some of these lists that just kill and kill and they're super efficient.
0: Yeah, yeah. that watch.
1: Uh right. Anyway, we were on something. I totally. <laughs> I
2: don't know. No, we got. Well, well we were t- You were asking if I'd seen a list that was unusual and that prevented pre- pre- a threat yeah. I hadn't expected. Gene so, cult. Yeah. So gene... the problem with Marcus's list was that it had 16 models. And so it had sort of some challenges, but it's a really good shooting list. And I didn't really know that about Gene Steelers. And the other thing I didn't know until I played Marcus was that if you put some models into the Orc Tower, they can see the whole damn board. Like, just because of the sort of star pattern that the board forms Mm -hmm. and you're kind of near the middle. So you put two guys at the front edge of that tower and there's very, very little that can hide from them. And that's what Marcus did. He went up, he took that tower and I was like, holy crap. Now, not that they're, they're not outstanding shooters and they might well miss, but like, he's got two guns that can kill most of my guys pretty well and they've got complete control of the field. And then he's got these four dudes with these, satchel charges or whatever which i hadn't played against before right and it's like well you can only use it once so i'm like i mean how much do you want a 12 point model you know I mean, how, how, many, how much great shooting does any model get in a given game right i mean most guys get like one clear line of shot right there's not a whole lot of guys who just sit back mm-hmm. and and kill every turn so it's really not that bad uh to, to only be able to do it once so he's got four dudes with these just like grenades that will kill anything um He's got these guys sitting on the tower and then he's got a couple flamers too, which are not trivial for my army. Um, And it was just a lot of firepower, a lot of killing power all over the place that I kind of couldn't hide from. And, um, I mean, you know, ultimately I was able to deal with it because, you know, he had, I was actually able to hide from him. Right. I mean, I put a lot of things in reserve and I did just literally hide the first round much as I did in the very final game. Um, and even from that position, I was still able to pick up a couple of his models because he had so many, and he couldn't mm-hmm. hide. They were everywhere. And so by the time we get to the third round, I mean, he just was in a tough spot, and he was already having leadership problems and stuff like that. But uh, it definitely got me thinking. Man, there's got to be some cool stuff you could do with Gene Steel at Colts because they have some more elite models too. And I haven't looked into them terribly, but they got aberrants and stuff. And I just think. Um, you could I bet you could make some cool lists happen with gene steal calls that were that were smaller.
1: Yeah. I I've noticed that since hold more killmore has become a thing, uh, we've actually been seeing like a decent win rate all of a sudden from Gene Call. They haven't been taking anything, like taking events, right. but they've been doing better. I don't know if that's coincidence or, or what. I haven't really cracked that yet, but
2: Yeah. Well, I th- yeah, I think they're good. They're good, good at killing. Um, and Marcus, he was a solid player. I mean, I think he was yeah. kind of determined to bring his list that he was used to. And, uh, you know, if he'd had like somebody sit down with him, prep, hold one, mm-hmm. kill one and like come up with like a different list. I mean, I think he might have been a, a contender. Um, so anyway, I mean, I won that game, but it surprised me what I what I saw there. And it was something I hadn't faced before.
1: Yeah, how about Dracari? I wanted to ask you about that. That was one that I mean, there's the one Dracari player, Alec. Yeah. But uh he took went for an O day too. Sure.
2: Well, I you know, I played Alec at SoCal, right? In wow. the semifinals. And then I played another Dracari player in the finals at SoCal with my Azuryani. So that uh, that guy's name is Steve, I think. So I was familiar with Alec's list and and with uh, you know, Steve had a slight variation on it, but they both were kind of doing that same thing. And um yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a formidable list, and obviously Alec had played it well. I mean, you know, I, I won the tournament. He had to play me the third round or, you know, whatever, the fourth round, right? So if he hadn't had to play me the fourth round, he played some other guy, He, you know, then he, he would have been the one in the finals, perhaps, right? So, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think, in, as it turns out, Alec maybe took eighth place at SoCal, and Steve took second, but... You know, just probably just about who you play, when, right? I mean, it's it's yeah, best if you're true. if you're gonna lose one game, uh, you, you know, you want it to be. Well, apparently, you want it to be the very first game of the tournament. I didn't know that before. But that's apparently the way. Yeah, year. apparently <laughs> new strategy. Yeah, but if not that, you it was, want it to be the very last game of the tournament, right? Yeah.
1: Because... And actually, on your point, it's kind of funny because if I'm not mistaken, Alec didn't have a ton of experience in the Thousand Suns matchup and. Placing first was the reason he had to play uh, James Skinner, who was Thousand right. Sons, on Sunday, and it kind of bit him in the butt.
0: Right, he should have tanked a game. Yeah, maybe he should have lost one. <laughs> uh, it's so bad to say. Yeah.
2: Well, it, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to tank a game on purpose. I mean, you you just first off, you know you know what's else going to happen. You don't know what's suddenly going to twist it, and then it just. Yeah. I think it would. Most people, I mean, they just, they want to play a kill team to win, and it's, it would be really hard to not do that but um you know i think of uh, dakota i think he only lost like he was dominating the first day and then he he lost his fourth game but he lost it bad and suddenly not even the top eight right and it kind of just took him right out of the he uh, fell right to
1: ninth i think right outside
2: yeah well and they and they they did that on the strength of schedule and i think the problem is that he played sheldon and the problem is that he destroyed everybody he played so hard but they it just like oh. took their will to win right out of them and they all <laughs> ended up with low records.
1: <laughs> yeah, we almost had half of the top 8 as austriani.
2: I know. Yeah. That was, well, I mean I'm sure people will go nuts about that and that's uh I mean that's fine, but um there you go. And they were they were good players.
1: Yeah, I wanted to actually that was a question I had. Do you th- what do you think about that balance? Do you think that it had more to do with the pilots? Do you how high how good is austriani? Are they that good or are or just we seeing incredible players taking them?
2: Well, I mean, you know, if I, if I really had the unlimited time to prepare, I think that I would have brought um, Adeptus Astardis. I think that there's a list in there that would have been the strongest thing at this tournament. Um, and I was thinking about Death Watch 2. So that being the case, I mean, you know, and I, and I obviously the first thing I do is I play those against my Azoyani. I think those can beat Azoyani. So... I mean, Azzuriani is obviously good. You can't have all these players there. But that being said, when I look at myself and I play against myself, I mean, I beat Yanni sometimes. I think there's a stronger team out there. And, the, and, and I probably, you know, I'm not as good at playing every other team. right? I, pr- I put a lot of work into Astartes, so maybe I'm pretty good with them. Mm-hmm. But I bet I'm, when I play ADMEC against myself, I'm not as good as Alex Squire's. Right. It, to, to say nothing of, you know, whatever the, the person who would have beat me in, or, you know, whatever it would be. Right. The, that other player who's even better with Admech. Who we mm-hmm. haven't met yet. Right. Um, so I think that there's I don't see a problem balance wise with them. But I think that, you know, I, I mean, I'm surprised with the success I had over the course of the year that we did not see more Azayani players sooner. quite frankly, I
1: right? agree. And it took because, a while.
2: Yeah, it took a while. And, I mean, we saw people jumping on the Tyranid Horde, like, quick. And I think the reason is that Tyranid Horde is not easy to play. Okay, it's really not. And, I mean, me and Miguel played a lot of practice games against him, and I learned a lot about melee combat, playing with him. But it looks like it's easy. It looks like it's a, a one-stop solution, right? Whereas, I think if you took my list, especially my list from before Elites right and you plug it in and you play some game like you're gonna lose those games and you're gonna be like well i don't know what the hell he's doing but i'm not i'm not gonna waste any more time with this right um as after elites is probably a little bit more user friendly but still we run some pretty fragile units you know what i mean and yes that howling banshee just looks unstoppable when you use it right but when you use it wrong i mean it's just a you know it's just a t3 model yeah. that can't get where it needs to be or is sitting in the corner doing the
1: you know what i mean like yeah we we it's... played a game recently where i was testing out astrayani for like one of my first times playing him and i had the banshees against 20 something you ran Yeah, you had
0: three banshees right. against my tau and the first three <laughs> models on your kill team to die were those Banshees. yeah i'm like they're right.
1: flying off the board i'm like man what's going on i, I don't
2: know <laughs> it's not it's not a and that's not to say that the potential's not there and everything, but I think I mean it really. There's a learning curve on Ozu Yani. and
0: yeah.
2: I've heard you know people have talked about this in Big 40k too, and it's I think it's an inherent thing in the Ozu Yani. It always has been in the Eldar that there's supposed to be a team that's a little bit harder to play, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's you know and then you kind of have to like coordinate these different pieces to make it work, and it's it's inevitable that if you do do that right, you're going to be a little bit ahead of somebody whose team just kind of goes forward, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, it, it has to be that way, because otherwise they wouldn't be balanced over the long term. And so um, I think that's the reason that in the tournament scene, Eldar always, or often look, I mean, I guess right now in 40K, they don't look strong, but traditionally, Eldar usually look pretty strong in big 40K and and here. And, uh, and I just think it's because of that feature of them. Um, but yeah, that being said, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of other lists that I think would be cool to play. Um, I mean, I've got I've got I mean, I don't I don't have all these models and I don't have time to make them all. But like I've got an Astro Militarum list I want to make um, with uh, I mean, I think Ryan and Rouse is something that nobody's doing that I think yeah. has got some potential. Well,
0: Completely. I, I don't want to talk about Ryan and Rouse. <laughs> What's that? I don't want to talk about him. They're great. They're very good. They're I, very good. That's all I'm gonna say. Fair enough. So yeah, so we, we don't want to ruin that, right? That, you want that?
1: Well, let's leave it, yeah, we'll let you surprise us yeah, all with it Godfrey in three months. In there too. Make me sick.
2: Right. No, I mean, I mean I, and that's the thing. I mean, that the, the list does have Gottfried as well as Ryan and Rouse, but I think Ryan and Rouse is the kind of the, the thing that's that, that makes it cool that other people aren't doing. It. And uh
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean I think sisters is a uh, is a neat thing. I mean they can bring a heavy flamer more affordably by an order of magnitude than anybody else and that's a that's a neat list yeah. you know and they have really good melee options both for horde and for and for strong things that they can swap in and out so and they can bring godfrey by the way they, right? can. Yep. Yes, they can they can bring
0: godfrey godfrey the most um, under model in this game
2: <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean i think sisters is is something and, and like i said already the uh, the astartes i definitely want to want to play with that i think that you know the thing is start chase is so hard to, to list build for you know and but yes. again
0: oh my god they, I was um, just talking about this on the on the last episode yeah
2: right but in terms of a, an army where you can really bring like here are five lists that somebody looking at your roster who hasn't seen you play before they won't even conceive of the five lists you're going to bring and yeah. that's itself an advantage right mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, those are all, I think all those, those things are out there. So I don't think by any means like Asuyani is broken and is mm-hmm. going to run away with it. But at the moment, we have got some skilled players who've who've come around to it. I mean, I think many of these guys, that was their team, you know, and whatever. They practiced with it and they've, they've gotten to that point. And so you're going to expect to see them. So you certainly better have an answer for them. But those answers do exist.
1: Yeah, they're, they're a high skill ceiling. And I think that those those kinds of groups are gonna rise to the top of competitive scenes uh
0: so i guess like before we go into like the actual actual tournament like recap i guess itself i don't know when to talk about this so i'm just gonna ask it now um can we talk a little bit about the the wraith guard and just how you used him Basically, I don't.
2: The, the, the Wraith Guard with the d scythe Yes, that specifically
0: one specifically.
2: Yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and it's funny. I, I don't know if you guys, um, uh, the there was a pretty good, pretty good episode on Glass Half Dead with a, a guy from the Discord. You tie my shoes, and they were like, "What are the top three or top four models for LBO?" And they kind of went back and forth on their picks, and then at some point, I think Birinid chimed in on their their chat and was like. Wraithgar with D side, and I think I think Birner was being serious, but they totally they thought he was joking or something, and they just totally mocked it. And I was sitting there with my D side, you know, <laughs> on my list, and I'm like, "Ah, you wait." <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it, it was huge. It was it was it seemed like the MVP.
0: Yeah, and that's why I really wanted to highlight it here. Just so yeah. like it it so from what from what we saw, you like pretty much always had it in reserve. And then you would bring it onto the field and it would just, like, tear it up. Um, right.
2: Well, um, yeah, I didn't bring it in reserve. So I, 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 you might not know, but I played it against the Grey Knights player the second day. Mm-hmm. Um, I used it twice against Glass Half Dead. I used it against an Astartes player. Um, but that, was not, that wasn't really a super competitive match. Uh, and then I used it against the Grey Knights. And, I mean, that was a super competitive match. Um, and he was good in all those places. But, yeah, I mean, against Glass half-dead, I mean, he's he's got these guys who can't... They're not veteran specs. They're not going to reach me the first turn. Just no way they're going to reach me the first turn. But they're going to try, because what else can they do? So they're going to run from their current position forward. And that's not the only thing that Glass could have done, but that's what he was doing, right? And he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he was doing it at the edges. And so with that being the case, it's a very easy choice for me to reserve it, because uh, one side or the other, which, you know, I mean i mean i have to pick before he no no i don't have to pick before he does that so i'm going to see how fast he moves and the one that gets a little further i can just measure out oh yeah eight inches away there we go i'll go right there and of course if if i had to spend a point to do it it wouldn't be the end of the world if neither of them made a good advance that's what you would do you'd spend the one point right you can come in on any edge but as it turns out i got to do it for free so there was that was a an easy decision um and then, I mean, you know, think of it against the particular Wraith or whatever, the Lich he's bringing. I mean, its odds of putting a flesh wound on him are incredibly high. So as long as I'm reserving a command point, he's going to have a flesh wound on him probably after I shoot at him. And then the next turn, what's he going to do? I mean, he can charge me. That's a terrible idea. But what <laughs> else can he? do? What else can you, he's got a flesh wound on him. Yeah. So it charges me. It's not like it's an auto kill, right? Because the numbers are still. But if I've again, you really, you really have to reserve these rerolls with the Necrons. So if I've reserved a reroll, then I've got about you know maybe a forty percent chance he's going to have two flesh wounds, and maybe a sixty percent chance he's going to be taken out of action. If he's if he gets to me with two flesh wounds, he's probably not going to hurt me, and then I'll. I mean, he might, but he's probably not going to kill me, and then I'm going to walk away and do it again the next turn. So it's just like. It, it, you're gonna win um something i'd seen and actually i believe it or not i didn't i mean this is bad on me i didn't discover this until i played against jacob um with the gray knights i didn't realize they could retreat as well as fall back and still shoot but but i did learn that in the course of that game and that
1: they is can't? such what's that oh. they can do
0: that how is that was this like did they get like a new tactic in annual or something no, no, no. It's,
1: it's on their data sheet. Oh, it's specifically a Wraith Guard thing?
0: Yeah, it's a Wraith Guard thing. Oh, wraith Guard oh, oh. can retreat no or fall
2: back and still shoot. And fall back, I knew, and I was like, okay, that's not, you know, I mean, I got, this, I got the tactic anyway. But, but retreat, that's like, I mean, the answer usually to something like a Wraith Guard is you charge it from outside of eight inches, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. I'll retreat. You, you declare the charge, I retreat, you, I mean, maybe you make a 12-inch charge, but probably you don't, and now you're standing in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to shoot you, or you stay back where you started, and either way, I get to pick where I retreat, so I might still have useful things to do, right? But like, oh, that's that's all the difference in the world.
1: <laughs> I did not uh, know that.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so, now, obviously, the thing about the Wraith card, you can't bring it against somebody like the ad mech list so you know somebody who's got a gun that can shoot it and kill it right i mean there's some yeah. people have that and some people don't um but uh you know the gray knights didn't really have a gun like that obviously they have melee guys like that but the melee you're not as worried about because i mean you know i mean if somebody's got a really really souped up melee unit it's going to kill a lot of stuff and that's fine but the wraith guard has still got the potential to do useful things before that happens um so um are there other lists i could have used it on i mean i think so i think i could have used it against the tyranid big bugs that i faced um probably probably should have uh i could not the one you can't bring it against those gene stealers because one of the guys with a grenade is going to get in or whatever and you know and they don't care if they lose a little guy to them mm-hmm. but um you know i brought it again i mean it was an odd astarte's list i actually to be honest i first came up with the idea of the Wraith Guard, because I was talking with a guy n- named Zerostride on the Discord, and yeah, he really likes awesome. Eliminators. Yeah, Pat. Right. Yeah. Was Who was old. I think the top performing Astartes player at the
1: tournament? Yeah, he that's was.
0: right. It was yeah. like uh,
1: Eliminators. Lots of Eliminators. Yeah, it was and, like
0: 60, 60 to seventy-five percent of his roster was right. Eliminators. <laughs> yeah.
2: And we've been talking back and forth, you know, since you know several tournaments back about a start days and stuff, and he always has sort of, uh, you know, had a, an interest in Eliminators that's greater than my own, but I thought, you know, I mean, I bet other people are thinking like him, too, and if I ended up facing, you know, what, what's good against an Eliminator, and I thought, well, you know, an Eliminator really can't kill a Wraith Guard very well. I mean, it could have had a last Fusil, but the yeah. thing about just a single last Fusil is you might be able to hide from it or something. Um, right. And so I'm like, you know, the problem with the, an Eliminator is it's pretty durable, and it's hard to hit,
1: but the mm-hmm. Wraith Guard
2: can fix that, right? He can advance up and then shoot. He's got like, you know, 17-inch range or something by, by the time those two things get put in. And and he's just going to, you know, and he's going to flesh wound them for sure. Right now, of course, he's not reliable for the kill, but he's, um, you know, whatever. You, you, you do your damage where you can. And if it's something they can't take out, I mean, he's going to get the kills over time. And uh, Eliminators are pretty expensive models in their own right. So I kind of had that idea for him um but then it was when i was playing against the the flayed ones that i was like oh my god i could use it here too and then i'm like oh that's maybe two things it can do and then you know i sort of let my imagination go after that <laughs> um but yeah no it turns out to be a, a a i mean as long as you avoid its one weakness which is that it can be shot uh by some kinds of weapons and taken out and it's expensive of course mm-hmm. then it's pretty good and You know the thing about hold one kill one is like you really don't have to be scared of expensive models like you used to be because, um, you know, I mean, you know, you spend all this effort to kill it, right? I mean, even with plasma, you're gonna have to shoot it a few times probably, you know, just because it's, you know, I mean, if you fire three plasma shots, one of them is likely to have not just done its job, and then you need the other two to get it out of action. So if you put it in a spot where all three plasma could shoot it and then they all shoot it the first turn. Okay. Yeah. It might go out right there, but it's still probably allowed a lot of other things to move. And it's only one kill and maybe you allowed yourself to get two kills in that time frame. You know what I mean? It's like, it's sort of a, there's there's sort of an inherent advantage there, even in the worst case scenario. So, um, yeah anyway i was very happy with that wraith guard really glad i i made that that addition to the list and and he did
1: a lot for me Mm -hmm. okay all right yeah yeah we were excited to see the wraith guard i know that janice was taking it even before (laughs) it was kill hold
0: Right, uh, right
1: and then this tournament came around and we saw you taking it janice i don't know if anybody else took it outside of youtube but it did a lot of work
0: yeah
2: yeah no no i think it's for sure a thing and i mean i um. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with Hold Kill, we should see more rates for sure. It's a nice nice addition. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think that applies to kind of all those big models, too? Like, be, one thing we didn't really see, at least on stream, um, was Terminators. And it, we were talking a little bit about Adeptus Astartes. Uh, where, where do you, because I have my own thoughts about it, but where do you think the Terminators fall in this?
2: Yeah, no, I think they're it. good. I mean, I think that I would, if my Astartes list would have had a Terminator on it. You know, I mean, probably a few. Okay. Right? Few different builds. I mean, I might not have brought more than one in a given list. I don't know. But um, no, I think the Terminator's got a place. I mean, he's got a nice deep strike talent, right? That goes with him, too, or whatever strategy. Um, And I'll, you know, I mean, not to, I I don't think this is a secret because Elliot had this list out there. But I mean, Elliot was toying with the Start Days list, too. And I think his had two Terminators in it. And he had some really nice painted models that he uh, sort of had just hanging out on a table by itself at LBO um for anyone who was curious to to take a peek at so he's thinking that way too
0: very cool yeah i it's been a while since i've played astardis just because uh i mean i've just kind of gotten away from him because
1: death guard or not death guard sorry uh death watch are just so efficient at killing everything yeah we were pretty high on death watch actually before this and there just wasn't a ton of pilots and Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it but didn't I, happen. But. Death
2: Watch probably is another. I mean, I, I was playing around with the Death Watch list before Elites came out, and then when Elites came out, I liked the Astartes better. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to go back to them again and and see.
1: Yeah, I know Birinid was was planning on taking them up until like right before the tournament. And he just didn't wasn't able to get them ready in time. Right. So he went with the with the big bugs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. So do let's. I guess there's there's so many of your games that were not on stream that we wanted to talk about. Uh, We've already gone through like the the Gene Cult game, right? Uh,
0: Um, so we can we can talk about the the Sunday games probably. Um, but is there anything from uh, the Saturday games that you want to touch on or highlight? Anything about those games that stuck out to you in particular?
2: Um. Well, I mean, you know, obviously I played Glass Half Dead both ty- both days, so we kind of mm-hmm. I mean, can kind of go, I mean, you know, you see obviously the, uh, um, yeah, so I, I don't, maybe that, that game's kind of a separate matter. My other three yeah. games, yeah. the Gene the Gen- Sealy Colts we talked about, I mean, it was, a, yeah. like I said, I think a good player. Um, I played a gentleman named, Se- I mean, a young man named Sebastian. He was there with his brother and his dad, um, teenager, you know, high school guy um and he was playing uh dark angel astarte's list and i think it it probably tells you his mindset with regard to playing that when i told him that dark angels have a a a special power that they get that was new for him
0: so that Uh, yeah
2: i mean that you know he was not there to win he was there to play and uh i Mm -hmm. think he's you know you know and he he had a his list was um, a bunch of Primaris and then Scout Snipers, um, which does actually present a, a special challenge all its own. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a lot of shots that can kill Eldar, I mean, as I, as I learned. but um, <laughs> The but accidental
1: any,
0: you know. anti-Eldar list. Yeah, there's so right. many
1: ways to play Astartes too. its I feel like each sub-faction with, with all these units, it's like each sub-faction for Astartes is kind of like looking at its own faction.
0: Right.
2: In a way. Right.
1: That's how it feels. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But, um, but that, I mean, that game was a fairly, you know, it was not a, not a remarkable game. Um, mm-hmm. and then the the fourth round I played a guy who was playing big bugs named Philip. Um, and he, he didn't have to play big bugs, but he decided to do that. It was, I mean, I'm sure it was the wrong choice against me. Um, but I think he thought, you know, maybe it was less what I was expecting to see. Maybe he would heard of the game that I'd lost against Shane. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I have a lot. Obviously, I've thought about Big Bug since then, and I, uh, I mean, it was a, you know, I kind of lined up everything at the back, and then he tried to get to me, and he, uh, me, I ended up having a nine-inch charge with the veteran. They didn't make it, and then I, I fired with everything, and I actually did almost nothing the first round. So I was, I was concerned. I was concerned. <laughs> Um, But then my dice came around in the next round. I ended up getting a a flamer kill on Overwatch. Um, You know, I kind of positioned, I I positioned the flamer pretty well so that the the banshee charged one big bug and then the flamer moved so that no other big bug could get onto the banshee and thereby, you know, kind of outnumber her without Mm -hmm. charging the flamer too. And then the one that tried ended up getting killed by the flamer, which was, you know, which was good luck to offset the, the first round. Um, and then my scorpion dropped in the back and, and he had two bugs to himself, which was probably a little more than he could handle. But he, my dream was just that he'd be kind of a, just slow him down and stop him from getting forward. And he would score, uh, hopefully recon two times. And, uh, he actually ended up, um, just like they couldn't take him out. You know, he just, you rolled well. And then I started rerolling the saves and stuff. And, um, so the, the bottom line is that that game, uh, although it could have, been a little closer. Uh, he got too much luck in one round instead of getting it spread out. Maybe that would be a good way to put it. Yeah. And So then in the third and the fourth round, I was able to clean it up. Um, but, uh, you know, but big bugs are they're always kind of scary. And, I mean, Phillip had, had played some pretty solid games. I think his only loss was to, like, a top-eight guy, um, huh. if I'm not mistaken, you know, until, until he played me. And I think another thing is that I'm not entirely sure that his motivation to go and play the next day was super super high so i think he was playing a little bit of yolo um when, yeah. when he went against me it was just yeah. you know not
1: yeah well now he knows to spread his luck out into all four rounds yeah, yeah it's evenly spread distributed well at least
2: if <laughs> you're gonna have a yolo strategy you need you know
1: <laughs> you're, you're... yeah
2: but you know in any case i mean that was a so you know and he had i mean he would have if he'd beaten me he would likely have been in the top eight because um, mm-hmm. we, we were kind of sitting in the same position with real high scores and stuff. So um, so those are the games you you didn't see. And then on Sunday, I mean, it was a very significant game you didn't see, which was the game against Jacob. Um, yes. And I know you mentioned that you were, and I, I was not able to find this on the stream just because I didn't know the time, but you said you actually could hear me like <laughs> yeah. cheering or something at some point in that yeah. game. Um. That, yeah, that game was. So I do. You, do you have, b- before I go into that. Do you have any any questions or anything on what I have said, or should I just go into that game?
0: You can just go into that. Yeah, game. go right ahead. Yeah.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, so i practice practiced against Grey Knights a lot. That's a list I'm list I'm scared of. And every time mm-hmm. I've practiced, I mean, this is maybe a flaw of playing against yourself. You know, the Grey Knights have really wanted to get into melee quickly. That that's how I've played them anyway. And they've had a veteran to help them do that, right? So they're like up there in your face and they're kind of moving really quick. And so the night, you know, I had a whole day to prepare for how to play Grey Knights. And uh, I'm walking around the casinos the night before and it suddenly occurs to me that my Grey Knights list, although it's fine, I think I can do better. And I think I can do better by bringing that Wraith Guard with the D scythe, And then that will allow me to bring my Banshee. The, the flaw... I mean, I would fix this if I brought the list again, but um, the flaw in my list was that my Wraith Guard with an axe was a Zealot specialist. And the result is I could never bring him and a Banshee at the same time, um, which was fine with my initial list. For Grey Knights, I didn't have a Banshee, and I just that was kind of just how I did it. But as I was thinking more about it, I'm like, you know, that's kind of foolish, because it's another two-wound model. It's another model that can absolutely, you know, if it survives to get to swing... That can kill a gray knight. Um, and what if I brought the zealot, Banshee, and the and the scorpion, and then I had this Wraith guard, that's like, and then I've got the Dark Eldar, you know, I mean the the Eldar Dire Avenger Exarch, he's two wounds, and I've got the Star Cannon. Like, I've got so many two wound models. Yeah, yeah. So I just just kind of thought of this list, and I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm gonna bring that. Um and in one hand, it was really it was really successful in the sense that Jacob was really not able to cross the field and come at me, at all. Right? That that wraith guard was a terrible threat that he didn't want to charge into. Um, you know, my shooting was kind of able to keep him a little bit at bay, and uh, and so we you know we did the, the the first turn just to. So if you imagine this wasn't on stream, but if we pretend that it was on stream you know, there's the south edge of the board is a long board edge and the north edge of the board is a long, you know, like you'd see you know, at the top and the bottom. So if we, uh, I'm on the, the eastern edge of the board uh on the diagonal, it's the two diagonals, that touch, okay. the, the northern, the northern middle, right? So we're, we're, we potentially could deploy right next to each other. We did not do that, but we potentially could have, right? So that's the, mm-hmm. that's the setup. It's mission five. We got the two diagonal. So I'm on the northeastern side of the board and he's on the northwestern side of the board and uh, he moved out to took the objective in the north central with his flamer and then he moved a couple of his guys up towards the middle i had to go first uh, and i had kept my whole list against the back wall except uh, i'd sent a couple of guys down to the southeast corner the dire avenger exarch and my wraith had taken up a slightly forward position but he got a really really bad advance roll So it wasn't able to move forward as much as I want to. And he was just barely touching the center objective with his with his flamer. Um, So that's kind of how I was set up. So the only thing I mean, he couldn't he couldn't charge anything the first turn. He didn't have any potential charge with no veteran move. Um, So he just kind of moved up kind of warily onto the Wraith, but didn't get within eight inches of it. And then he moved that that flamer onto the north central objective. And then I dropped my scorpion onto the south central objective with his um, deep strike ability, right? Uh-huh. So that's where we all were. And then there was a little bit of shooting, and he did his couple psychic attacks. So the psychic attacks went into the wraith guard, and I actually toyed one of them. So I only did one wound with the psychic. And then I fired my fusion gun and my star cannon at his demo guy, or his, uh, his flamer guy, but they both uh, came up with nothing, unfortunately. So uh, you know a little bit of bad luck, if you will, for both of us. But um, that was the end of the first round. He had hold. He had hold more. Nobody got any. The only I, I got reconnaissance. I'd taken reconnaissance, and my Dire X-Arc had gotten into a spot where he could score that by himself. Um, so the second round was really interesting, cat and mouse. That at first I thought really went well for me, but then I realized the the flaw. So. What I did is I maneuvered my pieces so that he could not... I I ended up going second. And he could not shoot twice at the Wraith Guard with any of his guys. He had to put a second wound into either the Scorpion or the Dire Avenger Exarch. And the result of that was he wasn't going to get any... With the psychic phase, he wasn't going to get to take anything out of action. Yeah, Uh, That was my vision anyway. So I got it set up that way. He charged the wraith guard before that and i did the retreat and he ended up just standing in place right couldn't follow it because that would have that would have been bad for him um that's when we we verified the rule and i kind of like what that really meant sunk in for me for the first time um so that's how we were set up and then he in his psychic phase and this is something he was doing a lot he was spending i mean it's like a lot of command points but i think maybe it's just two to get, like, sort of a super smite that he gets plus... It gets it gets a bonus to the roll based on how many guys are around him, okay? Yeah. So he got plus four to the roll, rolled a six on the psychic test, which wasn't enough, and then he re-rolled that to get an eight or something. And as a result, he got to do D3 damage against my um, my Wraith Guard and then one damage okay. against the Dark, Dark, Dire Avenger Exarch. Um, and then I Yulphwayed it again. So he did not kill... The Wraith guard despite all those machinations, and, and he did actually roll the two. But the uh you know, and I will just point out when you when you roll two Yolthways, I mean your odds do go up if you only need one of them, right? That's a it's a it's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of the, the situation where Yolthway outperforms, and that's why I like that that power so much for for all my multi one models. And then we get to the shooting phase and he killed the Wraith guard with his freaking silencer. Right, which is
1: oh, like wow. such a low the percentage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's wild. I'm surprised. Yeah, I was actually thinking about which weapon he had taken on the gunner, and I did not. A, yeah, silence. yeah a
2: silencer and a heavy flamer, and the heavy, fl- yeah. you know, what they call a heavy flamer, something different. But the, 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 the heavy flamer.
1: Yeah.
2: Right, the, the, and the heavy. The second turn, I did kill the heavy flamer with my with my two shooters, the star cannon and the fusion. One of them got him. Um, and after all that, my Wraith Guard had gotten so lucky, and then and then the Silencer just took him out. I couldn't make a regular save. and went, I probably even re-rolled the save and failed it a second time. So um, there you go. Uh, all that planning, and he still got the damn kill that I was trying to stop him from getting.
1: With the Silencer.
2: <laughs> With the Silencer. Of course. So the result is we both got killed. I was really hoping I was going to go up on kills and get the kill more and stuff like that. And I've got my Banshee and my... So now we're, we're going into the third turn, and none of his guys are closing in on me. But the problem is, my banshee's down to one wound because had just some regular fire, right? He'd, he'd gotten a shot on it. My dire Avenger Exarch's on one wound. My wraith guard is dead, and I'm like, if he just sits back and shoots, like he's gonna outshoot me because you add the psychic in there. Like all my durability is kind of going out the window, and I'm kind of used to playing wraith. You know, grey knights were like we get in there with those melee guys quick and we get some kills and we kind of turn the game. And I'm realizing, like, if I don't charge him this round, I'm never going to get to charge him because already the Banshee's in a spot where she's likely going to get killed after she charges because he's just going to psychic her, right? She's down to one wound. If I wait till the Scorpion's only got one wound, I've got no hope. Those guys are never going to get anything. And I had taken Cut Apart uh, and Relic Hunter and I'm not scoring those. So uh, my plan to keep him back seemed like a good one until I realized that that's not actually the game that I needed to be playing. And so I had to make a really big move in the third turn. Um, And I ended up rolling to go first, you know, pluses and minuses. So I charged one of his guys way on his back objective, way over on the western side of the board, if you will, with the Banshee, make the charge. And so she's in there and he's going to psychic her. But I'm hoping, and this is what I do, I move the the striking the scorpion, I just move him up into the midst of them. He doesn't even, he's not charging or anything, he's just standing there like an idiot with his pants down. And the goal is, he was gonna have to do a really weird move to get his three guys who were on the center of the board to get any of them in a position to psychic the Banshee, okay? And so instead they're gonna have to psychic on the on the scorpion and so he's only going to get one psychic roll on the Banshee. And that's, you know, it's less than a 50% chance that he kills her, right? Because he might fail the psychic is not likely. He might perils, which, you know, still might take her out, but it's, it's great in other ways. Um, she might yield way, And then at the end of it all, it's a 50-50 roll, right? So like the odds are like 60% in my favor that she's still alive and can get a swing off. Um, and if she gets a swing off, then I can use the combat stratagem in the event they didn't charge my scorpion to get him into combat, or if they did charge him, which is pretty likely, to have him swing first. And so mm-hmm. she'll get to swing, he'll get to swing, despite the fact that I'm like really down on wounds. So I, I've tried to describe that. but Does that make sense? Like, does that setup
1: make sense to you guys? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does.
2: Okay. So the 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 one problem here is that my my scorpion really need a good advance roll or else his leader who was hiding in the northwest corner was gonna be able to either make kind of a, like an eight inch charge onto the banshee herself or just maybe walk out and be able to get to her. So my, ba- my scorpion did not roll a very good advance and I really just couldn't get in the way of that person. And so now my plan had fallen apart a little bit, um, but you know, let's see what happens. So meanwhile, my, my star cannon comes up to kind of be in position to shoot the middle of the board Uh, And my fusion gun runs up and stands on the north central objective. Okay, my Dire Avenger XR comes up and replaces the two melee guys who were on the south central objective. So I'm going to get the bonus and I'm going to hold more unless he's he doesn't go after the two melee guys and instead kind of really diverts his attention to these objectives, which. um, So, you know, I'm forcing him to make a choice there. Right. And ultimately, what Jacob decided to do, he he made the long charge with the leader. So he's got two guys on my Banshee, and he can definitely put two psychics into her if he wants to. And um, I don't know entirely what his thinking was, but I, what he ended up doing is he ended up psychicking the Scorpion once, and then after that, he psychic the Banshee once. So I don't know if he was thinking that he thought the Banshee was going to be an easy kill, or... If he just thought once she's flush wounded, she's not going to be that much of a threat and I'm probably going to kill her in, in melee. Or if he just thought, hey, worst case scenario, maybe I don't kill the scorpion and I want to make sure that it's down to one wound for next turn. Whatever, whichever of those things he thought, that's how he ended up going about it. And actually, I've run through because this was such a crucial point in the game. And actually, it's not it's not a, it's not the end of the game for me if he does it different. If he does kill the Banshee, I can still do two points to strike first. He didn't have enough command points to contest it, and the scorpion still would have ended up getting the kill that he got, and, and, the, and, the, and the game probably still would have gone in my favor, but just not as strongly as it did. So he shoots, psychics. the banshee, does not get the kill, gets a flesh wound, puts one wound on the, on the striking scorpion. I go first with the banshee. She swings, whiffs all of her attacks, uh, but then I spend one command point, have the scorpion go, and he kills one of his specialists. And the result of that was that I got um, well, and then the rest of the round plays out. And his two guys on the banshee, one of whom might have been flesh wounded, they both failed to kill her. So she's sitting there with a flesh wound, and she's still in combat. Uh, But you know, they are gray knights; they don't swing that much, and the banshee is minus one to hit. And so, like, he just—you didn't have that many didn't have that many rolls to make. And I think that one of them had a warding staff, one of them had falchions. so what I, you know, I had I had a variety of roles, and I don't. It wasn't that he just missed; like it went a little further than that. But anyway, you know, between making a six-up save and making a six-up yolthway way and whatever else, that banshee was still standing at the end. She didn't kill anything, but the scorpion did, and my star cannon got a kill on his silencer guy. So I ended up killing two things. I got hold one, hold more the bonus, kill one, kill more. Picked up my relic, got my third reconnaissance, and I got a cut apart. And he only got. Hold one that turn, so I went up like eight points on him. Um, And in fact, I got two high-profile targets, not just one, because both the both the guys I killed were high-profile targets. And so it went from being a game that was like even to like suddenly I had an eight-point lead, and that's probably where the cheering or whatever happened. I'm sure it was when the banshee survived, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, this whole plan has got a chance to come to fruition. and uh, But I put him in a tough spot there because, like I said, he could go down, he could try to mess with that fusion gun, but then there's a chance that he doesn't kill it and then the fusion gun kills him. And then he really couldn't get to the north, to the southern, uh, he really couldn't get to the southern objective at all. He could have focused his efforts on just killing that banshee. I'm still probably going to get to swing with that scorpion. So it was, there, there wasn't a good spot for him, but I, I was lucky that I thought of a move that kind of got me out of the pickle I was in because I was I was a little worried at the beginning of that. And then the fourth round, uh, I mean, he couldn't catch up. He was eight points behind, but he made a, a strong effort. And he actually he got his other guy with the Thunderhammer in on two guys of mine on that southern objective. And if he, you know, I mean, he really could have gotten some points, but he ended up um, not being able to kill either one of them. And what it came down to was that that, that Dire Avenger Exarch does have a four-up invuln, right? So like that uh, uh, that saved him. And then he he rolled the fight again, and then he missed. He missed both the swings, right, hitting on fours. So it was uh, uh, just there. You go. That was the way it turned out. So ultimately, the score might have been something like twenty to nine. But I mean, it was the game was much much closer than that. But for it all kind of bursting open in that uh, in that third round. Um, so that was cool. And I was I was surprised to hear afterwards that that was just the list he brought every time. Because I was like, you know, it was a different list than I'd ever seen for Grey Knights. Not having the veteran, that's pretty unconventional. I mean, at least to how I was thinking about it. And it, it did kind of stymie me because, uh, you know, I was thinking that, you know, I mean, the the, the those demon hammers, I mean, they, they would have killed the Wraith if she, they'd gotten into it really quick, right? If they'd gotten lucky and just gotten through. So I was a little nervous about that. But uh, luckily that didn't happen. and mean, he, he kind of didn't try to do that. Um, and he found other ways to kill the Wraith.
1: There you go. Wow yeah that's wild yeah i was i was so curious about that one in particular just because of the cheering because i heard yeah, it during yeah. like during the glass half dead game with alex and uh sheldon is kind of commenting he's trying to keep us up to date on what's going on over there and the moment i heard that i was like wow i think it, i think that one, i think that one's over <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Oh, no, uh... yeah
1: yeah and then you got the rematch right after with with yeah I got the rematch uh, against glass.
2: glass and that that was I mean that, I mean you guys saw that on the stream that was not really a, a great game as it yeah. turns out it just didn't I mean kind of my everything about my game plan went well and and
1: D side really yeah yeah D side went off on that one
2: yeah the D side did well and I mean the other thing is you know I can, I could get a lot more cover so in the first game I had to hide and really stay out of the way because there wasn't much cover on the long way of the board. We were on the short edges. Mm-hmm. And so I really conceded Holdmore from the beginning, you know, and that's what contributed to the game being quite close. In the second match, because of the different layout, I was able to put out a bunch of guys onto the center objective, and I was the one getting hold Holdmore from the start, which is, you know, it's a better way to play. Also, it was, I mean, I'd, instead of the Banshee kind of being, she really isn't much, not that she's an outstanding model, I mean, it's the Mirror Sword Banshee, so she's not the same not the same banshee that you kind of like hear about, but um, you know, she was able to get in on, on Necrons, which is what she wants to do instead of, you know, being charged with a 12 inch charge by the, by the Lich Guard. Um, so yeah, that just, that, that, that part of the game went a lot better. And and I did the recon. That was good too. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys had any questions about that game, but we all, I guess probably everybody saw it. Right. And it was not like,
1: yeah, that was a big one for the for the stream. Uh, we watched that one, so and obviously we watched the final as well. But I do want to talk to you about the final because that was oh, a yeah, fantastic yeah, no, the game. That's
2: a, that game's worth that game's worth talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah, Ryan, was there anything you wanted to ask about that knockout game? Um, no, nothing really. Nothing really. Um, I guess.
0: Uh, I guess it's more. My question about this game is more about the. Goes back to your first game against uh, against Glass. So how I don't know. Like, what was the feeling after you had lost to Glass and you're down, you're down zero and one basically at the start of this tournament? Like, where was your head at?
2: Right. This is kind of a bad, kind of a bad. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, for me, I just kind of took the pressure off. I've never had a, I never had that happen in any of my tournaments. Right. I mean, so far as I. Uh, well, I mean, I guess when I lost to Shane, it was fairly early in the tournament, too. But that was, you know, that was day two of a two-day tournament. I'd already won the first day, so, you know, kind of like you don't have to win two days. Um, but this is LVO. It's like the biggest thing, and I've lost in the very first round probably, you know, I mean, at that point, my thought was uh, probably not going to get to top eight with a 10-point loss on my record, right? Um, and all it takes is, like, I get one game against Custodes or something. I could have two losses, right? I mean, it, you know, just... Mm could happen um so but you know i mean i just thought well i mean i'm gonna get to go down and meet some other players i'm not gonna have to you know in the downside of winning is that the next game is going to be harder right and especially if you play somebody like know, glass is playing necrons is a tough list and and he's a pretty good player so you have to play him the first round that's like your one chance for an easy game if you're on like a Winning every game track, right? Yeah. So, so that you, you start with that, and then you go to the next guy is going to be hard, and then the third round is going to be really hard, right? And then, and then it just the stress just keeps going up, and then the the reward if you get all those wins is you get to get three even tougher games the next day, right? It's just like, yep. I mean, really, the idea of winning seven games against like really good opponents. It's like inconceivable. I mean, I don't even know how we do it. You know what I mean? Like how it, how it ever gets done. It's like, because every, you know, when you think back to every one of these games, you're like, oh man, it was definitely like, definitely could have gone a different way. A few things have been different here and there and stuff. And so like, it can't keep going your way. That's, that's always my thought process. So, uh, I mean, ultimately my mindset was that like, hey, you know what, that just takes the pressure off and I can just have some fun here, which tournaments are not always as fun. When you're, when you're there with a goal to win, right? It can be, mm-hmm. They're stressful and they're everything else. And, um, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be that way. But you know, I, w- once you start winning, like you kind of feel like, well, I have to keep winning, or you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's a little hard to walk away from that. And even this one, like I, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. I had other stuff going on in life, and I was just like, no, yeah. I got to just find the time. I got to do the games. I gotta, like, I can't show up to LBO. And be like, ah, oh, yeah, I just kind of blew it off. I mean, how, how stupid is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. after you work on it the whole year and, and people are like, you know what I mean? Like people are kind of believing in you and stuff. So um, yeah. so on one hand, the pressure was off. But I mean, you know, here I am. I've lost the first game uh, on the stream. You know what I mean? At least I lost to a, a guy who's a buddy of mine. Um, yeah. But I was just like, well, you know, I mean... Let's go have some fun, right? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to hang out in the cheap seats and kind of like uh, uh, make some new friends. Probably see some guys who I don't see all the time. Maybe you know, maybe some of these guys I do see from time to time. You know, guys who have played in previous tournaments who aren't going to make it to the top tables. So, um, I mean, I had a pretty good I had a pretty good attitude about it. And uh, at the time, I mean, I did legitimately not feel that bad about it. And I just figured, well, you know what? I had a hell of a run, and uh, and you know, if I do all right, I should still be able to come in first in the ITC. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: right. Yeah, I don't even. And turn our
2: attention to that, you know.
1: Was it even mathematically possible for Janice to I come think, ahead? I think it was. Uh, was I needed it?
2: to. Yeah, I mean, I think with the way that it went, I probably needed to come in about fourteenth or fifteenth place, assuming and that Janice would win. Came in first, or or if, if Janice or Alex Squires had come in very first place and I was lower than like 14th or 15th, then I would have been out of it. So basically
1: yeah.
2: I pretty much needed three wins. I needed to go three and one or to be the very top two and two, maybe, but probably yeah. three and one. So, you know, I mean, I still, so I had a goal, if you will, I still had a goal. And of course, yeah. I mean, but I mean, as it turns out, I mean, Alex, let's presume I wasn't there. Probably Alex is the winner. Um, so it would have been a real issue.
1: Yeah. So I guess let's move on to that Alex game. Uh Alex game. I, yeah. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Um I was I remember watching that on stream and I really, I thought he was gonna win up until the last mi- like five minutes of the game. I just could not <laughs> believe the way that went. Mm-hmm. He played it very well and evidently, I mean, he came out ahead, but let's just talk about it.
2: Yeah. Well there's you know, I remember seeing a game in the 2018 c- season it was uh it was nick Nanavati against jim vessel and jim was not like a notable player yet at that time he was just a painter yeah. i mean just a painter but you know he's an exceptional <laughs> painter but that's what he was famous for
0: uh-huh.
2: and uh nick had like this terrible run of luck in the beginning he was playing his, his uh uh you know whatever those uh special elves are called um it's double spear but what do they call that special faction of
0: elves i can't remember uh, what the I- shining spears
2: well, he had the two shining spear list, but it's beyond Inari. He was playing Inari. Double spear oh, okay. where
0: Dracari and Eldari. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he didn't bring mm-hmm. any Dracari, but he had, you know, but it was Inari for the double strike twice, you know, hit twice and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he, he, you know, he periled the very first psychic test he took, and then Jim did the, There's a command point for psychic that, that makes you take extra damage and he ended up, that psyker blew up and damaged a bunch of his other units and he just didn't seem to get anywhere in the game and, and then he kind of charged into this line of plague bears and didn't like roll terribly and it didn't seem like anything was happening. And then, and then the stream went out for like five minutes and it came back and it's like at that time it was Frankie and, um, you know, the gentleman who passed away who were, who were calling it. Um, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh my God, we just looked at the score and Nick is going to turn this around. It was just so funny. It was like after this five minutes of the screen going dead and you're like, wait, what the hell happened? Like Nick was getting his <laughs> yeah. butt kicked and all of a sudden he's winning the game. And then like the game was over 15 minutes later and like Nick had won. And I, I kind of went back. I was like so fascinated by that game. And I was like, and what happened? I mean, my conclusion, I haven't talked, I mean, I don't, I've never spoken to Nick and I don't know him, but, um. My conclusion is that Nick just knew where his points were coming from. Like Nick, as that game went on, he knew what his plan to get points was going to be. And so he was having all these reversals, but he still knew where his points were going to come from. And Jim was focused on the board, like what was happening on the board. And he kind of forgot about where his points were going to come from. And that's how Nick suddenly got the win. Um, I mean, just he just he had that mapped out. And I. I haven't spoken to Alex Squires about this game, you know, so I don't know what his mindset is or his strategies and stuff like that. But my gut feeling is that that's kind of what happened in this case. I I knew very much what the score was, what points I was hoping to get in the third round, the fourth round. And I, I mean, as I'll tell you, as we get through it, I mean, at the beginning of the third round, I thought I had the game locked up, which probably nobody else thought I had the game locked yeah, up at that point but I, I absolutely thought I did and then and then some dice didn't go my way and we'll talk about that and suddenly it, it kind of it switched threw everything into flux but um but I knew as that fourth turn went like I I knew what the score was I knew what I needed to have happen and then as it happened like I knew that I had the win and Alex was like qu- counting points and like wait no maybe yeah. it's a tie so that like, and from that I deduce that he did not know where the points were coming from quite the same way. And he was looking more maybe at the board state or, or whatever. Yeah. And I think that is what the difference was. You know what I mean? Like just knowing I was doing exactly what I had to do to get a certain number of points. And there were lots of things that I wasn't going to be doing, but those didn't matter because all I needed was, you know, I, all I needed was a tie. I had more, you know, I had more completed secondaries than him. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's like, that's my really quick overview of the game. So now, but to go into more detail. <laughs> um, so, you know, Alex's list is probably like the best shooting list at that tournament that I'm aware of. Right. It's only got three. I mean, as, as he brought it against me, it's only got three plasma. But the key mm-hmm. is two of them have anomalous specs and you just you can't I mean, you can't hide from them. I, I hid from them, but you you almost can't. Right. Because if can, he yeah, yeah. can't just the barest glimpse of you from anywhere in 18 inches, like two shots are coming at you that are hitting on threes. You know what I mean? And there's just there's just nothing you can do. You can't. Usually I rely against a list that's dangerous on shooting. I rely very heavily on that cover and making sure they're going to have to make the excessive rolls and stuff and, you know, make those injury rolls on fives. And you can't do that. He's got two omnispexes. And yeah. So they're always going to be in the right spot, and then and he's got three guns. So even when you take one plasma gun off, it really doesn't matter because the engine there is the two plasmas coming down the field with the Omnispexes is on it. One of them's a sniper on top of that, just for fun, which you know makes it a, a two up if he wants to. Um, I had no hope with anything I could bring of of matching that army in shooting. Right? People talk about the Asturian being shooting, but but it's not a shooting army like that. Like there's there was. Okay. There, there was no way. So um, my plan was, I mean, rudimentally, my, my rudimentary plan before I knew exactly what it was going to bring and stuff is that I need to get my two really good melee units in there and, and and going through his ranks. And so to that end, you know, I had relic hunters and cut apart as my secondaries. Uh, my third secondary uh, it was probably a good choice. I ended up playing it poorly and then, and then having um, some things go not my way. It was reconnaissance. I never scored a, a single time, which is, of course, uh, an indication mistakes were made. But in any case, I, I, but, I, but I think it was the right. It was a good thing. It was a thing I should have been able to score. Um, now, one thing I know, I didn't, I didn't really play a lot against ADMEC in my prep matches. And the reason is it's hard to play against ADMEC because they can bring a lot of things. Now, Alex did end up bringing very much the same list he brought against me at SoCal when he played against my Astartes. Uh, But I wasn't 100% confident he would do that. I knew he's got some other options in there, and, I, and I, I just wasn't sure. But the one thing I had done is I'd really run some numbers. And the one thing and so the thing I knew that it's possible that Alex did not know, I don't know, is that if a Fulgurite and a Banshee or a Fulgurite and my Scorpion fight the Fulbright's odds of taking me out of action are really quite small. Like I really, I really win that fight regardless of who swings first. Um, and, uh, and and on the other hand, my guys' off, odds of taking him out are, are very, 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 very good. And so that was kind of a linchpin, a piece of knowledge maybe that I was relying on as I played. Um, and uh, and I think that was probably a a difference-making thing. And I I can't say that Alex made a mistake because I don't know what he was thinking or what his plan was or, you know what I mean? I don't know all the different iterations. But in the first turn, when he moves his fulgurite up to be kind of in a position to, you know, my banshee wasn't there yet, but like he just moved it up. For me, that was a stepping stone and a in a linchpin for making my game plan work, um, and so that was something that was very very helpful for me. So what I'm talking about is on the if we look at the board like kind of the northwesternish area. Yeah. He moved the fold yeah. right. One fold right stayed and guarded the base of the tower. Right. He built that castle in the tower. Right. Uh, he you know he had to go first the first round. Um, he builds that tower up. And then he sort of moves to the Western because he needs an objective. So he moves that to the Western objective with a fire base. And then that Fulgurite, instead of kind of staying back and guarding that fire base, he moves forward. And so does the infiltrator. Right. Um, And uh, again, I wouldn't say that was a mistake so much, but it did play into my hand. Because what my goal was, is I wanted to hide 100 percent from him. I wanted to give him no shooting at all. Um, If I gave him any. I wanted it to be what I did the first turn, something where like I'm out shooting his guy like four to one, and so he, you know, the infiltrator was a little bit exposed. So I lined up like a bunch of shooting onto the infiltrator, and my thought is, you know, maybe I kill it, maybe I don't. But he, I'm more likely to get kill one and kill more than he is to get that, you know. And and probably the most likely thing is that nobody kills anything. But my banshee <laughs> is a step closer, and and my scorpion is still in reserve. You know, and that can be brought in when it comes to be. So my banshee moved up, and 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 was right on the other side of the container from the fulgurite. And I was very happy with that fulgurite's position because if he hadn't been there, then I would not necessarily have had anything to move to with the banshee to sort of start a dancing into his ranks. Right now, from mm-hmm. Alex's perspective, I'm assuming he's thinking. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. The fulgurite's going to charge because he didn't. I didn't have anything there yet, but. Um, but once I put the, the Banshee there, I mean, we, I think he's got no choice. He's got to do what he does. He's got to charge the Banshee. So anyway, the first turn, that's how we set it up, right? Um, I mean, you can you can look at it on the on the stream to see exactly how it all, all is lined up. But I'm basically hiding from everything. I'm putting a Dire Avenger, the Banshee pistol, a Flamer, and my Star Cannon onto his Infiltrators. Uh, are they called Infiltrators? I think they're called Infiltrators. So si- yeah, si- yeah. Si- Sicarian.
1: Sicarian. Yeah. yeah, Infiltrators. infiltrators.
2: Uh, and his Sicarian, of course, can in in turn fire back at several of those models too. So, um, my big mistake, I could have scored reconnaissance the first turn. I really, I I got it kind of caught in my head that I didn't want to expose anybody to the Sicarian too much and put them out by the wall. And I just, so I didn't do that, but it was, it was stupid. I mean, I've gone back and looked at it. I absolutely could have scored it without exposing anything. And I just, just had other things on my mind. So I didn't do it. Uh, yeah. One one point down as a result, but um, because the Dire injury XR could have had the other reconnaissance hiding behind the he he was in the southeastern corner and he could have just moved a little bit closer to the edge, whatever did that. Um, his very first shot with the infiltrator kills my flamer, right? It's like a, it's like a fifteen yeah. percent kill right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just, I you know, remember he, seeing more than
2: anything else because he needs a five on the injury roll, right? I mean that cuts it down to one third chance right there, but um gets that very first thing. And so that really put me in the hot seat because not only have I lost a fair bit of my return fire, but like if I don't get a kill, I'm going to lose. I'm going to go back on. He's going to get kill one and kill more. Very luckily, my star cannon does the job, takes out his infiltrator. So we end up with one kill each. Uh, We each hold one objective and he's got the hip shot. We both drop a relic token, but it's, you know, three to two or something after the first round. So second round, I have to go first. And the only thing, really nothing's good about that in this, you know, every round... We didn't want to go first. That's just how it played yeah. out. It's not always that way, yeah. but th- this game, every round, you didn't want to go first. Um, you know, obviously, smart of him to try to do the decisive move. Now, what might surprise you to hear is, I would rather—I mean, all things being equal—and of course, it could have could this could have blown up in my face—but all things being equal, I would rather have won the decisive move than lost the decisive strike than the inverse. In other words, the way I, the way it went was, I lost the decisive move and won the decisive strike which you know, I, yeah. we both had points for later to do both those things. And that's uh, based
1: on the Fulgurite odds of getting the Banshee out of yeah, action. The yeah, Fulgurite's odds of killing
2: the Banshee are not, are not very good. They're like 25% of taking her out of yes. action. No, I'm not saying that you just want to give them a 25% chance, but if it was going to happen one way or the other, you know, the Banshee's a zealot. She, she's even more dangerous when she charges. And the position, right? The position there is everything, right? He keeps me locked up in the corner when he gets the move first, as opposed to me being out, like where I want to be, ready to charge the center if he moves out, which he did move out there, and ready to charge that that Western fire base he'd set up. Um, so that didn't go my way. That was, a, a, whatever, 50-50, right? It's gotta go somebody's way and not go somebody's way. So it didn't go my way, so that was unfortunate. Um, I basically just tried to stay hidden. I mean, I'm just counting on my reserves. That That's gonna be my move, right, basically uh and you know reserves are the big insulation i know i heard uh kill team academy after the first round kind of talk about the first round like having to go first was a big deal but that's that's the turn i care least about going first because i've got the most reserves right and the reserves are really protecting against whatever happens bad because you had to go first because you put them down after he moves right and so if he had lined up a shot somewhere i can drop things down as a as a distraction, or another thing he's got to shoot, without having any more guns to shoot at more things, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have my, I still have my my scorpions in reserve. So he moves out, lines up a bunch of shots, and then I basically drop the scorpions down. And um, you know, if you just look at it, you're like, well, he just dropped the scorpions places where they're going to get killed. But but the things that they were that they were dropping down were already going to kill something. And now I was giving, giving them a choice about what to kill, if that makes sense. So, for example, yeah. on the northwestern edge, he, you know, par- partly because of bad positioning on my place, on my part, he had a shot on my Dire Avenger. Um, and so my thought was, well, okay, I'll, I, maybe he'll kill the Dire Avenger or I'm going to drop the scorpion down just right in front of him. Because I don't care if I'm right in front of him. He's got the Omnispecs, right? So right in front of him is the same as, like, hiding completely behind yeah. cover. Um both of them were going to be short range, so you can shoot the Dire Avenger or you can shoot the Scorpion, and if you don't shoot the Scorpion, the Scorpion's obviously going to do its things and stuff like that and was in position to score reconnaissance. Uh, meanwhile, the Dire Avenger was in position to pick up a recon token that was going to be otherwise pretty hard to get, so that's why they, they each had a good thing to do. You drop down the second one and like it feels like you're just suiciding him, but you're really not because something was already going to die, and he still doesn't have any more guns shooting at what you brought down, if that makes sense. On the southern edge of the board, I drop my Demo Scorpion, and he's going to take a shot at that Fulgarite. Um, not a great chance to kill it because the Fulgarite's in cover, so you need a five on the injury roll, but a really, really good chance to get a flesh wound on it. Um, the Dire Avenger uh, xark is just staying in position, and his role is going to become more clear um, in the next round, but I have a plan for him. Um, and. Uh, and then I had to think about where to put the last Scorpion. And uh, I thought for a long time about putting him down in the, the southeastern corner of the board, where the, where the one Scorpion was with the demo spec and where the Dire Avenger Exarch was. But the th- thing is, he was going to be able to line up a shot on it. And um, although I don't mind doing that with a regular Scorpion, I mean, this is the Dire Avenger, you know, this is the Scorpion Exarch. He's a more special model. So I didn't want to put him down in, in view of Plasma. Um, and so then I didn't put him there. And then I kind of forgot that I hadn't put him there, and and I'll talk about that in a second. But I end up finding a really nice spot for him on top of one of the towers where he can't be shot by the plasma. There's a couple regular shoots that can go to to him, but um, he's going to have a really easy charge next round, right? Um, And that's kind of the clutch of my game plan, right? I mean, I want to get charges off and kills off. And so as I'm looking at the board at the end of the second round before we shoot or where we're all positioned... I've got a really, I've got a decent chance that my banshee is going to get a kill on this Fulgright. The banshee is about 66% to kill the fulgurite. The fulgurite is about 25% to kill her. I'm probably going to spend two. I mean, I don't know this yet, but I'm probably going to spend two command points to even give me like a 50-50 to get to go first, just because it's the best way I can like improve her odds at all. Um, so that's probably pretty good. Probably going to get my cut apart in relic. I mean, no guarantees, but that's like possible and now the scorpion's in great position to charge something next round so unless he like it's just like a radium carbine shot up that kills the scorpion which is almost inconceivable Yeah. i am pretty well set up and i just have to handle this round of fire against me um and that round of fire was really good i mean he had a he had a particularly good rolling first thing again shoots with the infiltrator pistol kill on the flamer right so that uh i mean that was even less likely this time because it was long range <laughs> those infiltrators Uh, 100% with their two shots and so and then I got I got mad at myself so we'd spent a fair bit of time talking about what his plasma guy in the center could shoot and I hadn't been able to see the shot um, but ultimately Alex put his finger down behind it out the team Academy even came over and looked and we determined okay you can you can line up these shots you can definitely see these things and then I moved the scorpion away I moved him somewhere else because I didn't want him to get shot but when it came time to shoot the plasma guy, Alex was like, I think I can see that scorpion in the corner. And I'm like, I didn't. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, probably whatever. We, we talked about that a lot. Right. And then he shoots yeah. it. He kills it. I take it off. And then I realized we didn't talk about that scorpion. We talked about the other freaking scorpion. And I never even looked. But I've already taken the scat off the board. So I didn't even want to say oh,
1: anything about God, it. Right. Yeah.
2: You know, <laughs> now,
0: well, that that'll being happen said,
2: bad. Yeah. So I was very angry at myself. Now, that being said, he did have a different plasma shot that could have gone on that scorpion. But it was, it was didn't have an ominous spec, So it was going to be a five up to hit. It was going to have to roll fours, uh, or you know fives for the injury roll. So less likely. So he gets that kill. He, he got the third kill on the scorpion up top. And uh, I was kind of mad at myself. And so I, I got a little bit flustered at that point in the game. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so much is – and the dice weren't all that bad. But they, they felt bad at the time. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if this friggin' Banshee can't pull it off – like I'm, I don't, I, I got nothing left in this game, right? Um, and so, you know, when I'm thinking in the abstract, you know, like cold calculations, oh, 25 percent chance of killing her—that's that's fine, that's that's an acceptable risk. But after the dice have been going against you, suddenly the twenty-five percent sounds terrible, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, um, but as it turns out, I rolled the decisive, you know, the decisive strike. I got to go first, so you didn't get to roll the dice, and I killed the the Fulgurite, and that was. Um, pretty important but I was still frustrated and so I made the second I mean probably the biggest mistake of the game I mean it's the biggest mistake of the game but it was my second kind of notable mistake I just I didn't move the banshee like I should have like I just didn't move her after she killed the fulgurite and that banshee could have moved three inches towards the center of the board if I'd been smart about it right um really important because what we're going to see that happens next but I just leave her there. I think I I think I nudged, nudged her like a, an eighth of an inch the other way, thinking, oh, she'll pick up the Relic Token. But no, because the Dire Avenger was going to pick up the Relic Token, which was like harder to get to. Um, and so I just nudged her kind of uselessly instead of moving uh, her, her where she should have been. Okay, so now we go to the third turn. Uh, Alex has to go first. And I spent a long time thinking about whether I'm going to do a decisive move because I briefly was thinking that maybe... The Dire Avenger Exarch would be the one to do the decisive move. Um, so this is a funny thing that other you know, people that probably wouldn't wouldn't think about. That Dire Avenger Exarch is really hard for a Folgerite to kill. Among other things, he's got, I mean, he's got two wounds and he's got a four-up invuln save, right? So like, mm. uh, and, it, and the odds of killing it, I think, in the abstract are like 20%. And if I put, if I reserve a reroll for that invuln, which would kind of be my thought process, I mean, it's you know, 10%. I mean, it's, this is abstract and it's, but whatever that's. So I, I was pretty confident that Dire Avenger Exarch was going to live wherever he went. And so then the question is, do I want his Fulgurite around the corner? And then interestingly, the Dire Avenger Exarch actually has a higher than 20% chance of killing the Fulgurite because he's got a flesh wound on it. You know, he swings twice, hits on threes, wounds on fours. Uh, You know, he's got the five up, you know, five up, five up and all that. But still, the the end result is a little bit higher since he had a flesh wound on him already. But the problem with charging him was that there were too many relic tokens nearby. And he was going to be able to pick one of them up if I charged him. Whereas I realized if I retreated from him instead, I was going to be able to move him into a spot where he could not pick up any relic tokens. Okay. So this is kind of the linchpin of my third round turn my third round plan. And so what I needed to happen, I needed to retreat with that Dire Avenger Exarch on the southeastern part of the board. I'm pulling him back to a spot where the Fulgrite's going to pursue. The Fulgrite is, is not going to get the kill because it's, if I save the reroll, it's like 10%. Otherwise, it's 20%. Um, so that Fulgrite's not going to pick up any Relic Tokens. And he's not going to have a Relic Token to pick up anywhere else because he's not going to have a single shot this turn. That's my plan. He's not going to have a single thing to shoot at. So he's not going to get kill one. He's not going to get kill more. Um, He's not going to. I'm going to be moving. My scorpion is going to charge into the center. I need a five inch charge. Probably. Um, The banshee. I didn't move her. That was really stupid. But she needs a seven inch charge. And she gets two chances. 82% chance. You make a seven inch charge with two chances. Okay. 82%. So I'm like, here's what I need. I need my Banshee to make her charge. I need my Scorpion to make his charge. I need that Dire Avenger Exarch not to die. We're talking like three over 80% chance things. I need those three things to happen. And this game is locked up. And the reason it was going to be locked up is if you if you run through what happens there, I'm going to get one kill in the center, like virtually guaranteed. There's two guys there. Uh, I'm going to have the Banshee and the Scorpion swinging. I could get two kills. So if I get two kills, this this thing's going to go out of control. But if I just get one... They'll still be locked up, uh, and so they won't be as dangerous the fourth turn, but they will have sort of the, the, the cut-apart lock, you know, perhaps kind of waiting there for them. Um, so I'm going to get kill one. I'm going to get kill more. I'm going to get cut-apart. I'm going to get my relic. Uh, I'm going to get reconnaissance this turn because the Dire Avenger X are standing in position to get it. I've got a guy on the north end who's going to get it. He's not going to pick up a relic token. He's not going to get hip shot. He's not going to get any secondaries at all. He's not going to get any kills. He's going to hold one. And that's the only thing he's going to do. And I'm going to sweep the points all the way down. So it's going to go from me being four points down to me being two points up going into the fourth round. And I figured with a two-point lead, I was going to have it. And in the event I get two kills in the center, now the Banshee and the Scorpion are free. They can go anywhere they want. And all I needed, all I needed for this plan to come together... Was the Banshee to make a charge, the Scorpion to make his charge, and that Dire of Injury to survive. So the very first thing that happens is the Scorpion makes his charge. I did a decisive move to get it, and he did great. He locks up both targets. Perfect. Um, Alex makes his moves, you know, nothing exceptional, I mean, to my mind at the time. And then the Banshee fails to 2 seven-inch charges. And oh. that changes everything, because not only is she not in there doing damage, but now he's got something to shoot at. Now he can mm-hmm. shoot the freaking Banshee. And I just had, you know what I mean? Like I was so happy with my plan and it felt yeah. so probable that I hadn't quite got to that second order of what if this fails, what if, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm running points and stuff and like, you know, and people are probably watching me. like, what is he thinking about? Why is he thinking about that Dire Avenger Exarch retreating for so long? And the reason was I'm, I'm putting this whole thing together and then it all just falls apart because now he's going to get a kill. And the bottom line is if you play it all out now, I'm going to lose the Banshee. He's going to be two points up going into the fourth round. I'm still going to have a decent turn, but um, he's going to be two points up. I'm going to probably be locked up in the center with my Scorpion. I'm not going to really have any way. He, you know, With only one guy there, he's certainly going to be able to walk away. I'm not going to be able to box him in. Which, with two models, I probably could have, if there had been one survivor, I could have boxed him in against that wall there. But with one guy, I won't be able to do that. So that scorpion's going to be sitting there, probably just hanging out doing nothing. I'm going to have no chance to get cut apart the fourth round. Ah, the whole plan just fell apart right so i'm like what the hell can i do to save this and and,
1: uh, and i want to say before yeah. you continue it was right around this part of the game where the the there was some stream issues oh, so okay. yeah so it was we were kind of having trouble keeping up and it came back really clear in the fourth round i would say like right around oh, yeah. the oh, wow. phase fourth round so we missed a little definitely, bit definitely eerily similar to the the (laughs) the nickname describing (laughs) yes i yeah i don't i didn't i wasn't sure if you were aware of that when you were you were telling that story i wasn't i was not
2: aware of that because i i I have gone back to look at the stream but i just skipped through to see board positions different places like where exactly where those models and stuff like that um because watching me take a long time to decide where to move is not as fun is not any more fun for me than it is for you (laughs) um but uh so anyway that was my that was my third term plan the banshee fails a charge. And so now what I end up doing is I wheel out the star cannon to shoot at that plasma guy. Now, of course, he shoots first because he had to go first this turn. So now what's going to happen is the plasma guy could shoot at the Banshee. But if he does that, he's going to get shot by the star cannon. So probably he's going to shoot the star cannon instead. And that's a lot better for me because the Banshee, I think, has the potential to be a better model in the fourth turn. And additionally, when the star cannon dies, the consolation prize is that its pilot is free to move about the board and do stuff, whereas previously it's kind of anchored to that star cannon, making sure it can do that job, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, um, with that kind of with that in mind, I put the star cannon out, thinking it's likely going to get killed. Um, and then we proceeded to roll dice, and uh, and everything unexpected happened this turn. My star cannon uh, does not get killed by the plasma. Now I will say, if plasma shoots at three things, it's not it's going to take one of them not out of action. And this was his third plasma shot, and I did, you know, the, the star cannon did survive. The star cannon. Uh, now he 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 was hitting on twos, re-roll and, and re-rolling ones, and hit and wounding on twos. So his odds of getting two wounds through onto it were pretty high, and that didn't happen. He only got one wound through. But once you only get one wound through on that star cannon, its odds of survival are actually astonishingly high, on the order of Um, Mm 60-65%. And it just has to do with, it's got a six-up armor save, and then two Yulthwa saves, and if you make any one of those three sixes, uh, you're just totally in the clear. And then on top of that, um, you know, he might just, he just might not take it out of action, because it's it's only 75% chance to take something out of action with rolling two dice. Um, so when you combine those two numbers together, like the Star Cannon is actually in a pretty good spot once you only put one wound onto it. But, I mean, that that is discounting the fact that he has a pretty decent chance to get two wounds uh, that particular uh, incident. So he doesn't kill the Star Cannon. The Star Cannon does kill him. And then my freaking dire Avenger Exarch died. <laughs> so that was the other so i mean if 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 i'd killed him and you know and he he hadn't killed the stark i killed him and then my dire avenger Exarch survived like that that would have been another like me way out in front moment but he killed the dire avenger Exarch. that was like a three-point swing for him to do that because it was his only kill that turn right um and it takes away my reconnaissance and he can pick up a relic token so uh in any case, uh, the the dice give and the dice take, and I'd use the reroll uh, in the course of the star cannon getting its kill. You know, which was a smart thing. I mean, it was a good thing to do, but uh, the result, the 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 reroll, the command point was not left to to help the dire avenger xark try to survive. So we go into the fourth round. Uh, my plan of being up by two points has fallen short by three points because of that dire avenger Exarch. Um and uh, and as a result, he's up by one point. Uh, and the result of that was that going into the fourth turn, um, where I had to go second, which was, you know, of course you don't, I'm sorry, I had to go first, which yeah. is not ideal. Um, I calculated that uh, I needed to get the kill and I needed to stop him from getting any kills. And if I could do that, uh, I was going to end up winning because all of my, because if he's not getting kills, all of his secondaries are tied up with it, Right. Yeah, um, yeah, and we may have I, I may have sort of glossed over that, but in in formulating my game plan, which is I'm going to hide the whole time and just try to get those banshee and scorpion in there, my assumption was that all of his secondaries were going to be related to killing me with guns, <laughs> which was not a hundred. I mean, you know, not necessarily the case, but it, I, that was my prediction or that was my assumption about him, and that did end up being more or less the case. I mean, relic you know, Relic can be picked up by anybody, right? So, um, but uh, that ended up, you know, my, ultimately my hope was there'd be two rounds of the game when I could stop him from killing anything. Um, and I think ultimately that's a, pro- I mean, I, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but certainly in the fourth round, I stopped him from getting anything. The result of that, he's not going to get tip shot. He's not going to get long range shot. He's not going to get kill one. He's not going to get kill more. I am going to get Relic Hunter. I am going to get cut kind apart. Of I've got two guys on his one stunned dude in the center of the board. Um, So I've got all these points that are kind of like almost locked in for me. Uh, And as long as I can stop him from shooting me, I'm in the clear. I think Alex probably suspected that I had taken, because I hadn't scored any secondary points on my third thing. He was probably thinking that I had taken the one that gives you three points if you hold a thing throughout the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I, I, which I don't ever like to do if I'm only planning to hold one objective the first turn, and I was planning to only hold one objective the first turn, which, you know, among other things, why I didn't pick that one. Um, so he probably thought it was not a likely scenario that I was going to move away from that objective. Um, but I'd already run the numbers, and I didn't need that objective to win. And I was thinking, although I didn't know because he was going to go second, but I was thinking... That he's probably going to come up and go on that guy. I get to shoot first. I'm going to fire and fade out of sight, and that's going to be it. And that's exactly how it went down.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that game was uh, it was a fun one to watch. Yeah, it was weird seeing the. I mean the, the. it almost seemed like a reactive thing to the way that he really set up with I mean with Metallica subfaction, he's very uh, he's mobile and he can control the board and with the shooting he can he can zone out areas. And from the stream perspective, it just looked more to us like he he was running away with it. and then you're counting up the points in the last round. And there was kind of this collective like what? like yeah did he just win <laughs> like <how>?
2: <laughs> right right well you, yeah that's i mean that's you know part of what's taken me a while in some of the rounds in that game um is i mean i'm doing that exact thing i mean i'm just counting up points i'm like what's gonna happen here what points am i gonna have and you know knowing i'm gonna go way down in the second round um you know i was hoping to maybe have been one or two points closer but that you know that's how it, how it went down and you know luckily. Um, you know, I mean, I got the rolls that I really needed to when it when it came down to it. I mean, that Banshee uh, did kill the Fulgright in the second round, and I did uh, the Scorpion did quite well when it was alone. When the Banshee missed the charge in the third round, um, and those uh, those you know, if those rolls had also gone poorly. That would have been too much to bear. Um, but uh, I, on the whole, I don't think I rolled very well in the in that game. And I did still manage to pull it out, so that is.
1: Um, I mean, those banshee charges. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that was unfortunate.
2: Yeah, no, the yeah, the yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that banshee almost never got to. I mean, she did get to leave the corner of the fourth turn, but I mean, like, for her to be locked up that way, um, you know. And I, I mean, I, I, you know, again, Alex has got his own game plan, and I, I'm not a hundred percent privy to it. But I was certainly happy when he abandoned his castle in the second turn, right? And I mean, that's what I'm. By continuing to hide, that's what I'm hoping he'll do, because mm-hmm. then that's going to open up me for. Because I mean, I really didn't w- with his castle. I really didn't have a good place to drop in and be super effective, right? With my with my deep strikes. So um, I was hoping he would relent on that, and uh, and he did, um, and he might. And I don't know quite what his what his whole game plan was doing. I don't know what he was hoping for that didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like there might've been things yeah. he was hoping for just as I've I've expressed some of the things I thought was going to happen. And then that, the, you know, one die roll that seems kind of innocuous doesn't go that way. And like the whole plan falls apart and he may have had similar things um, on his side of the game. But yeah, um, but yeah uh, I think that If I, well, I mean, you know, whatever this is, I mean, it's too much to, to, to think into it. The game goes a different way, but I think that if that Fulgurite, instead of trying to come out after me, if it kind of stays back just to be used as a countercharge, you know what I mean? Like when I charge something of his only then does it come out and now I've got, you know, if I don't kill both of them in one turn and he's swinging first and maybe putting the flesh wound on or whatever, then, um. You know, in that spot, I probably have a much tougher nut to crack. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, I mean, ultimately, like that fulgurite came to me, and it's bad that I'm in the corner. But on the other hand, I'm I'm getting my cut apart in my relic hunter, kind of brought to me, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. that's my my whole game is that that those big mealy guys are going to get action, and he did not, um, he did not stop that from happening. But yeah. Past, you know, the first turn, he stopped it very well. But then the, the past that he did not.
1: So obviously, he was the main piece at this tournament for Admec. Uh, do you think that we're going to see kind of like an Ostriani like resurgence of, or I guess not really resurgence, but like just kind of a surge of Admec players in 2020? Because he seems to have really like shined a light on this faction a little bit more with LVO.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think. I think that they 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 should i mean there should be more people playing ad mech and trying to do cool things i mean it's a um it's got to be fun to have those plasma guys i mean i know when yeah, i in my yeah. start days list you know sometimes i have one plasma guy with sniper and like a and a you know a, a comms and an ominous to help it and it's like such a powerful feeling and he's got two, you know, to have two of those, like, that's a neat starting point. And you can do a lot of things with the rest of them. You know, I don't know. I um, mean, you know, those infiltrators are kind of, I mean, they're kind of cool models and they're kind of a jack of all trades. But, you know, maybe that's, I don't I don't know if they were the right move in this game. I mean, they, I guess they got two kills. You can't complain yeah. with
1: that. I mean, it was the pistols, right? Yeah. Yeah, the pistols. Yeah. I mean, they,
2: are, they have pretty good pistols. I mean, you know, three shots, 18 inches. That's. But they are. I mean, at the same time, I mean, there's plenty of things in the game that that have firing profiles that are better than that. Um, but they're, they're a neat unit. I mean, I have to admit, I always I always am tempted to take them too. Um, yeah. But I wonder if. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know yeah. what else. What else? You know, I I'd be tempted to just. You know, what else can be done with that list that that I haven't seen it do before? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he was bringing all priests on the other days, and I don't think that's the. Uh, I mean, that's a cool thing to do, but it's not a winning yeah um stratagem but uh but i bet there's other things that can be done that, that are kind of neat with that um
1: yeah you know, with other,
2: other kinds of melee units or what that can be brought
1: and with the plasma calibers i know a lot of people were kind of afraid of of the four plasma and i don't even think he took it i don't think he took all four plasma ever during the tournament i think he always took three two or three yeah yeah
2: T- two is enough i mean he's got yeah. two and one two in a backup right that's what he's kind of, yeah. kind of doing um i mean yeah i think that that's as long as you're careful with him right i mean yeah. that's the key you gotta be careful with them. you gotta move them very purposefully and uh yeah. you know and that's where it's a hard list to play it's not like
1: yeah he's I mean, a great player
2: admin you know eight uh, astromilitarum militarum plasma guns you know they're just like firing him willy-nilly, but, you yeah, know, I mean, it's so, you know, the thing, that thing he does with the the cannicles where the first turn, when he doesn't expect to have shots lined up, you know, and it probably varies, right, sometimes he, he goes second the first turn, and he does have shots lined up, and then he does the re-roll ones that turn, mm-hmm. and then he saves the the shroud psalm for the other one, but, I mean, that shroud psalm was a tough, like, what are you going to do? He's shooting at you ignoring cover, you're shooting at him minus two for, like, There's no there's no list in the world that can compete with that on shooting. Yeah. So if you're trying to, or if you're just like running through the fields hoping it's gonna work out, like both of those things are just terrible ideas. Um, Which is I think where where we saw some of his opponents, you know maybe Dakota and the and the um, the gentleman who was in in the eighth seed with the Thousand Suns. You know both of those guys had done so well against a lot of things, and then they hit him, and it was just a freaking... Brick wall when they ran into Alex Squires with that um, kind of
1: yeah. Devastating. Even Janice had a tough game against them, I believe. And Janice, you don't see that too often, where where she kind of gets on the other side of that. Yeah, usually she's oh, busy, she is, like uh, tabling Tyranids or something. Yeah,
2: gotcha. Did, did Janice play Alex in the in the final eight at some point?
1: Yeah, I believe it was semis.
2: Oh, okay, gotcha. When you
1: were playing, when you were playing glass.
2: Gotcha.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think it was a pretty one-sided game. It really I obviously it wasn't streams, but from what Sheldon was saying, it really wasn't going her way. I don't know exactly what happened. But...
2: God, so he'd really he'd been blowing the Yanni away all day. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's a great player. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't you yeah. can't really take it away from him. Right, uh, right,
2: right.
1: I guess with moving past that, um, one thing I want to ask you before we close it out obviously you mentioned you're not going to be going to quite as many events uh understandably so uh but are you for anything you do go in the future are you going to start looking towards the starties a little bit more or are you going to keep with the austriani
2: well yeah i'd probably like to bring something different if i go yeah. you know what i mean of course the challenge of bringing something different is you got to put a lot of time into modeling and everything yeah. else so that's kind of the the hiccup in that plan but um I think that if in 2021 I'm coming into the game and looking to have another more full season, I would expect to be playing a different faction just to kind of mix it up. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it helps you grow as a player. I mean, there's something to be said for like, oh, this is my faction. I just always play them. Um, and I think when I was a more casual player, that was probably a good attitude, right? But then once you practice like a lot of games with a certain faction and stuff, I mean, I think you're, You're gonna kind of dead end if you don't start mixing it up and playing some different things. Mm -hmm. So I just think for like growth as a player, I would need to try out some different factions um, to to keep the game fresh and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, and plus, I mean, there's just too damn many elves out there right now. Yeah, so many. Yeah,
1: it's not cool anymore.
2: It's not cool anymore.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Command Point Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and rate us on whatever platform you use to listen as it helps more listeners find our podcast. And this also helps to grow the Warhammer 40,000 Kill Team community. Thank you for listening.